Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail, our highway in the sky. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking, please. Thank you. Folks, you're listening to Two Men in the Mouse, episode 198 on the White Dragon Podcast Network, recorded live on June the 16th, 2020, from Orlando, Florida, and Rogue Comics in Cranford, New Jersey, respectively. This is your everyday guide to the magic of Walt Disney World and the larger Disney universe beyond it. My name is Kevin Kessler, and I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, Peter Mandel. Hey, Kevin. Hey, buddy. Congratulations. You are reopen over there. Yeah. Very, very exciting. Another opening. Yep. Uh, Folks, we are two lifelong Disney fanatics who have managed to keep the magic of Disney alive in our lives every day, and we want to share that magic with you. So pull up a chair, gather the family, your pop, and your favorite set of headphones, and let's experience the magic together. Pete! Kevin. If we thought last week we had a lot on our plate, our world tour takes a decided turn to the more fantastical this week. I like that. And and so, like, we've got even more to get through. But I do not want... I mean, I touched on it briefly in the opening, but Rogue Comics back open to the masses. It's true. We opened yesterday. It's been nice. Have you canceled all dining reservations and fast passes for your customers, though? Um, I... I that makes me sad to even think that. Yeah. Um, so I uh, got to go eat at Raglan Road last night. Oh, okay. They're, they're doing the musical guests again. I've heard that. Uh, or musical guests, the mus- the musical, you know, the band right. and the dancers are all still there. Uh, the right. full menu. I mean, it was great. Uh, Springs is largely back open now. Like there's very little that's not open, but we'll get to that when we talk about Springs. I also did Universal, uh, shortly, like the day after we recorded last, last week. Okay. Uh, so we have like five Morty Monster videos up now from that day at Universal. Cool. Yeah. Three of them in Universal Studios proper and, and two in Islands of Adventure. So, um, you know, if you're wondering how things are over there right now that, that, you know, like Doc Brown was like up, like working on, he was working on the train instead of being down where people could like be near him. Now, let me ask you a question because I've seen tons of pictures of characters like Captain America. Yeah. They have them on these little platforms. So yep. They're socially distanced. Can I take a picture like in front of them? Absolutely. Morty, Morty did. Oh, okay. Like, I saw Cap with that cool mask built into his costume. Yes. Yeah. I'm I actually like, oh, I want to get a picture like in front of him. You know what I mean? I have a picture of Morty in front of Captain America and Spider-Man on that on that platform. Nice. Um, Betty Boop was out there. Uh, gosh, who else? The SpongeBob characters were out there. Doc Brown was out there. So, yeah, lots of characters milling about. Uh, Cap was the only one that I saw wearing a mask. Right. Which which was which was interesting to me. Uh, of course, you know, Disney is not going to, because you, you can't, you can do that at Universal because nobody really wants to hug the Universal characters, you know? Right. Like, you're not going to tell a kid they can't go hug Elsa. Right. Yeah. I, I would imagine that the Disney characters are going to be kind of a, what we've seen from overseas. Like, they're going to be up on, like, you know, the train station or things like that. Well, yeah. I mean, they've already pretty much said, right, right, the character meet and greets are not going to be a thing when the parks reopen for a little while. Right. Correct. So, uh, yeah. Doesn't I mean, mean, you're not going to see characters, but. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, but, you know, it's what has to happen right now. Right. 
Uh, SeaWorld opened. I have reservations for SeaWorld. I actually was supposed to go tomorrow, but I'm not going to because I've just got way too much on my plate right now that I'm working on. Um, okay. So, yeah, we are not... Uh, yeah, we're not doing that. Um, not going to SeaWorld. But going to SeaWorld, I think, either over the weekend or next weekend. Uh, all right. Uh, any other any questions you have about how Universal's working, by the way? I'm really kind of excited about well, seeing Universal open and stuff. So, I mean... How was like crowd size? It was non-existent. It was a ghost town, right? It was a complete and utter ghost town. Like I was, uh, we breezed onto everything. E- we had a little bit of a wait for ET, even though there was barely anybody on it because they're only loading the first and last rows of the bikes. Right. Uh, but I got to sit right in front of ET, so can't beat that. Yeah, that's never happened. Usually, I'm in like row two like three or four or two like i'm ne- like being in the first row of that like is a thing that never happens what about meals oh uh, what about meals um i like, mean could you eat inside uh, in some places yeah okay uh, the city walk was largely open right so i mean just like disney springs we ate inside at raglan road last night right but i mean right what about um? What about lines? I heard they're doing a lot of virtual queues. They are doing a lot of virtual queues. Uh, you know, it's funny. I got into Islands of Adventure second, and there was you know barely anybody there. So I'm like, you know what? This might be the day I finally get to ride that Hagrid motorcycle mm-hmm. coaster. And I went. The virtual queue was was done for the day. Like, and th- it was still early. Like it was, it was like before noon. Right. Uh, but I did. I entered the virtual queue for Kong, even though I had no like desire or intention of actually going on it i just wanted to see if it would send me like hey now's your time to get on it, do- it didn't i never got a single huh. push notification i don't know if it's i didn't set up the app correctly or i didn't do it correctly but i was just thoroughly unimpressed with that uh now, i downloaded the app i haven't had it you know i haven't gone in a while so i re-downloaded the app this weekend just to kind of peruse it and yeah. see you know what they have going on so mm-hmm. i was curious about that now SeaWorld is doing a reservation system like disney's going to be doing right this was a nightmare okay an utter nightmare so i have my annual pass i go to i i get an email like hey annual pass holder you can make reservations to come back to the park i'm like all right cool i'll go the day that it opens so i tried to make a reservation error has occurred okay try over and over again error has occurred i call up the helpline um, we're sorry. Due to overwhelming call volume, you your call cannot be taken at this time. Please call back again later. Hangs up on me. All right. So the next, like, three days, I keep trying it. Like, I try, I get an error. I try, I get an error. I call. Due to overwhelming call volume, your call cannot be taken at this time. Please call back later. So the next day, I'm like, all right, I'm going to wake up early. Like, Well, I mean, I'm always up before 9 anyway, but, like, I'm going to be at the phone at 9 a.m., ready to call in and um you know get my and get this situated so <laughs> I, I call in and it's like welcome to SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment your call is very important to us your estimated hold time is 1 minute and i'm like oh awesome i did the right thing an hour later i'm still on hold that's great oh wait no i'm sorry I, I, I jumped ahead a day. So I called this day and it was like, your estimated hold time is 58 minutes. And I'm like, okay, no. And it's like, please press one if you would like us to call you back when it's your turn in line. All right, cool. Press one. It verifies my phone number. I never get the call back. So the next day I wait in line for, I'm on hold for an hour, another 50, and now I'm on hold for an hour, 15 minutes. 
all of a sudden I feel I hear someone pick up and I'm like, oh, thank God. We're so- due to overwhelming call volume, your call cannot be taken at this time. Please call back again later. And it hangs up on me after an hour and 15 minutes on hold. That's insane. I was livid. I was ready to tear SeaWorld down brick by brick. Like, I was so angry. Now, are you hearing of people who did get into SeaWorld? Yes. So I'm, so like, I'm tweeting at SeaWorld at this point. I'm like tweeting like, like angry things at them because I'm like, at this point, this is the only way I can get someone to help me is if someone in their social media department is like, Oh, you're having trouble. Let me give you a phone number to call or something like that. Right, right. Uh, of course that never happens. Like SeaWorld never acknowledges any of the tweets. Other people acknowledge them, but SeaWorld does not. Um, so finally after that, I like now I'm ready to be like, I will destroy you, SeaWorld. This is why you're in trouble. Um, I'm ready to burn it all down, and then I'm like, you know what? Let me try one more time to make the reservation and see if it goes through. It goes through. Huh. It took five days, but it went okay. through. So I made, yeah, made a reservation, and <laughs> now I can't even go. Um, but I did make another reservation for next weekend, so I will be going, and Morty will finally be going to the Sesame uh, area. So that's exciting. Very cool. I'm very excited for that. Uh, but okay, so are you ready for the news? Uh, let's hit up some news. The news this week brought to you as always by our good friend and sponsor Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, who will plan your Disney vacation for you at no additional cost to you. All right, worldwide news. Now, this is pretty exciting. Disney is testing a new security system this week. Did you hear about this? I have not. All right, so Disney is testing a new security scanning system that it may deploy to the theme parks when they reopen in July. Now, according to the manufacturer, Evolve Express is the first no-stop weapon screening system built to automatically screen groups of people as they walk through without slowing or stopping. Express screens um, visitors individually or together while automatically differentiating weapons from personal items. It is the fastest weapon screening system on the market, consistently screening 60 people every minute for firearms and other threats. That's 3,600 people per hour or 10 times faster than a traditional checkpoint system. Wow. Now, that's pretty cool, right? So they tested it out at the Lime Garage at Disney Springs. Now, when I was there yesterday, I purposely parked in the Lime Garage to see if I could walk through this. They were no longer testing it there. Um, Right. Yeah, yeah. It's probably just certain times they were doing it. Right. So um, groups were able to pass through completely unimpeded. And any persons that required a closer screening are then moved to the side where they're asked to empty the contents of their bag uh, for inspection by a CM in a much more hands-off way than previously seen. The system also has the ability to perform human temperature screening, which could potentially be used in place of the manual screening that is currently being carried out. So now, like everyone that's complaining about the temperature checks, if this thing happens, you can walk through and have your temperature checked automatically and nobody would ever know. Right. It is uh, it is clear that the existing bag check system at the parks will not be viable in a post-COVID world, and Disney is working to address that with this new system. If su- this is from www.magic.com, by the way. If successful, the new system would seem to be able to greatly reduce the sometimes long waits at theme park bag checks and provide a much better experience for the guests with most bags not having to be manually inspected. That's a game changer. You know, I think it's funny because we all kind of laugh about Disney's technological ineptitude. Yet at the same time, when it comes to something crazy technology, like I have no doubt that they can do it. Right. I, well, cause it's I not, the, the well, cause they're not, Disney, they're not developing this. It's not like the, my Disney experience right, app or DisneyWorld.com. Right, right, right. This is, this exactly. is the thing that they're purchasing. They're great at purchasing things. Right. 
Uh, but you know, it's funny because we finally got metal detectors for everybody at Magic Kingdom, and now they're gonna, you know, probably have this, which I think this is a great idea. I think it's a slam dunk. I, I mean, can't get any better than that, right? Well, totally. So, uh, the pass holder website has been updated with reservation dates. Now, you can't make reservations yet, but they are, like, typically on the pass holder calendar, it'll say, like, it'll, it'll gray out days that are, like, blocked out for specific passes. Uh, and so now they are marking in green days that are, you are required to have a reservation, which is every day. Right. All summer and all autumn through the end of November. Unless they, which, I mean, they could change, but I doubt they will. Uh, Disney has previously said during the limited capacity period, it may be difficult for annual pass holders to get park reservations or to visit on certain dates and that to help manage capacity, total reservation days held at one time will be limited. I got to tell you, though, I mean, like if Universal and SeaWorld have been any indication, it's not going to be that hard to get a reservation. But again, it's Disney, you know, and at least in the beginning, like when it when they first opened in July, I don't think a lot of people are going to be staying in the resorts and, and taking vacations. Right. I think it's going to be a lot of. And honestly, I think that's why Disney waited so long, because right now nobody is taking vacations into Orlando. I think maybe maybe they think that in mid July, more people will want to come and stay. And it won't be just locals because, like, that's what you're seeing at Universal. You know, it's weird. I'm mixed on it. I completely understand what you're saying. And I know a whole bunch of people who've canceled their trips. Right. Having said that, man, I think Disney's going to have the gates flooded like, well, initially. I mean, listen, in the first couple days, absolutely. But, like, a random weekday, like, two weeks later, I don't, I don't think so. Right. I just don't. Um, there, so the McDonald's on Disney property is going to be opening back up soon and further worldwide okay. news. Exciting news for you. I know this affects your trip in every way. There you go. I mean, you know, when you, listen, when you got a Big Mac attack at the, you know, at 3 a.m., you know where to go. Those McDonald's fries are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, well, so it's going to be solar powered, completely solar powered. Cool. Now they tore everything to solar power. Yeah. Like they, um, so they pretty much tore this entire McDonald's down to the ground. Okay. And rebuilt it from scratch. And now it has, it, it looks to be completely powered by solar energy collecting from a lar- from large rooftop panels. Uh, the structure also cleverly uses these solar panels as covered outdoor seating and entryway. And even the parking lights include their own individual solar panels. Huh. So it seems like a completely renewable McDonald's. A very green cool. McDonald's. I think that's a great idea. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Why not? But I like it because like the panels actually like they come off the roof and they like extend over. I saw a picture of it and it like extends over the covered outdoor seating area. Very Res- interesting. Yeah. Resort news. Uh, Non-Disney Disney resorts on property are set to reopen as well. Um, loca- uh, located near Disney's Riviera Resort, the Hilton Bonnet Creek and Waldorf Astoria both say that they anticipate a reopening on July the 1st and are currently taking reservations for that date. Um, so that's two weeks before the parks are going to open. Right. Four Seasons Resort Orlando, which is near to Fort Wilderness and Port Orleans, is also taking reservations for July 1st and beyond. Disney-owned and operating res- operated resort- resorts will be reopening on June 22nd with a selection of DVC resorts and the Marriott-operated Swan and Dolphin Resort is expected to reopen in late July. So, yeah. No word yet on the other resorts like the All-Stars and stuff like that. But everyone kind of thinks they're going to reopen with the parks. But nobody's certain for sure. I think it's weird because, like, so the NBA, if it actually, you know, starts. Right. It's staying at Coronado, right? Are they? Yes. 
Okay. Like, what about anyone who had a reservation for Coronado? Did they well, just get moved? Now it's they gave you a reservation to. I have no idea of any current basketball player. You they, know who LeBron James is. Stop. Come on. Um, go ask Morty. The young people know. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I I, I I'll tell you. I got to tell you a story about LeBron James when we're off the air. Because <laughs> remind me when we're done. Um, LeBron James, by the way, owner of what? Lay's Pizza. Is he really? Yes. Well, now I have a reason to like him because I don't care yeah. about basketball. Well, I would. I, let me tell you something. How how out of touch with basketball I am. I was totally about to say like they give your your. I was totally about to say they give your room to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar <laughs> <laughs> or like Shaq. Like these are the I'll basketball they, players that I know. They won't be giving rooms to the Knicks because they're not going to make it. So are they not? They're not even invited. They're only bringing 22 teams. Wow. Any teams within six games of a playoff spot, because I believe there's only 12 games. Well, now I wonder where major, where major league soccer is going to be staying then. (sighs) Yeah, you know, and I thought I read that too. (laughs) Could you imagine if like the NBA staying at Coronado and they put, they put major league soccer up in the MLS, all star sports? (laughs) I was going to say all star sports. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense. That's actually. how Americans think of soccer for the most part. I love right. soccer. It's my second favorite sport after hockey. Now, if, okay. if if they would build an ice rink and let the NHL play here, I'd be very excited. I'd be following that. Right. But, you know, they're not doing that. Uh, we may have the first, uh, like, construction cancellation due to COVID. Bay, the Bay Lake DVC add-on, uh, which has been called Reflections, uh, it may be canceled. Okay. So WW Magic reports that evidence is mounting that the Bay Lake Disney Vacation Club Resort Reflections, a Disney Lakeside Lodge, may be the first major Walt Disney World cancellation due to COVID-19. According to various sources from the construction side of the project, delivery of materials has been permanently canceled and the work that was done to begin the concrete pours has been removed and the land will likely be returned to its pre-construction state. So wow. it seems like this is just they're just like, yeah, no, we cancel it. I mean, they had to take a financial bath on this, right? Like on, on oh, yeah. all of COVID, like not having these parks open has got to had them bleeding money. Well, oh yeah, yeah, it means crazy money. Yeah. I, I we talked about Spaceship Earth and my son's joy at the fact that Spaceship Earth right. is going to be reopening, and I'm like, yeah, and he's like, oh, they're opening for the people. I'm like, listen, they don't have any money to do that mm-hmm. refurb because that was not like a skimming. That no. was like a big time. They they were going to gut that ride and rebuild it from scratch. Yeah, you're not going to see that for a while. So you're going to go, you know, two years from now, you're going to be riding those vehicles, and that little computerized part at the end. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, some of those cars are going to start getting junky. I, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Having said that, I'll be thrilled because at least I get to ride it. Right. But, you get to thank the Phoenicians again. Correct. Uh, so no water park news this week other than that they're, st- they're still closed with no opening in sight. Uh, Disney Springs news. The Coca-Cola experience has reopened. Okay. That is both the retail area and the rooftop bar with operating hours of 12 noon to 9 p.m. daily. Now, the character meet and greet on the second floor with the polar bear has not been reopened. Right. I expected that. That polar bear is awesome, though. Folks, if you've never gotten the polar bear picture at Disney Springs, you got to get it. It's so cool. He's huge. He's, he's huge, big. and he's like a giant puppet. Like He's like a full-body yeah. puppet, which I really appreciate. Like a Big Bird or a Sweetums or something like that. Yes. Um... Other re- other notable reopenings that I noticed when I was there. Once upon a toy, um, okay. the Star Wars store over in that area. Yeah. Although with the droid build not available. Yes, I w- I mean I was just about to tell you that because you had asked me to look into that, but the build a droid is not available currently. 
Although it looks like they've marked off the floor around the build a droid, like for like potentially opening it at some point. I mean, it's gonna come back eventually. It's just not gonna come back right now, right for the foreseeable future. Uh, the Christmas store has reopened. I was very excited oh. to see that. Took a nice walk okay. through there. That was always that's always wonderful to do. And the first Disney attraction has opened back up. Like the first attraction to open post COVID nineteen is I the, know what it is. Is the carousel at Disney Springs? It's a paid attraction. A paid attraction, much like the old days. If we're going back to our roots, Peter Mandel, we're going to be talking about the park tickets a lot today. So buckle up. Right. With Fantasyland, um, because now we're dealing with actual attractions. We weren't dealing with real attractions like last time. And a lot of them are opening day attractions. So I'm going to see if you can guess which which ticket level they were. Oh, okay. I've wow. Been, I have no idea. I don't I, know. I've been super excited about this all day. <laughs> Epcot News, as you just said, Spaceship Earth construction has been postponed indefinitely. Um, which we just talked about, so no really need to go over it again. Uh, and that's the news this week. Nice. Not a lot. Some. Enough. You guys want me to invent news? Not going to happen. Not doing I'm pretty it. sure it wouldn't be news anymore if that not, was the case. Yeah, not going to do it. Not going to do it. Uh, all right, so we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back with our e-ticket attraction of the week. We're going to Fantasyland right after this. You know, Pete, it's hard work planning a Disney vacation. Of course. Your whole family has to get going. You gotta pack everything up. You gotta figure out where you're eating. You gotta figure out where you're staying. But you know what makes life so much easier? Makes your trip planning a more fun experience? Tell me, that sounds like something I need. Absolutely, you need a travel agent. Do we know one of those? We absolutely do. We know our good friend and sponsor, Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, the official travel agent of Two Men and the Mouse, folks. We've both used him. Yes, we have. Dave Weikert plans our Disney vacations all the time, and we would not recommend him if we didn't use his services ourselves. Dave started his Cranford-based business here in 2008, and in that time, has been planning hundreds of Walt Disney World vacations. Dave plans every trip as if it was his own, and you will never find someone more passionate about Disney. Very easy to work with, and will do his best to make sure you're satisfied. Working with Dave, you're likely to pay less and get more. And what's better than that, Peter Mandel? Tell me. You never pay a charge for Dave's services. It is 100% free. Dave will plan your entire trip for no additional cost to you. That sounds awesome. Absolutely. Dave has helped over 875 families enjoy their Disney vacations. A graduate of the College of Disney Knowledge, Dave has visited every Disney World resort and has personally stayed at 12 Disney World resorts. He's dined also at every Disney restaurant. He's crazy about Disney food. That is an accomplishment. Absolutely. I wish I could say I did that. That's like, that. A, like the snack challenge times 10. Yep. Dave also gives you Disney dollars for land packages and shipboard credits for any Disney Cruise Line vacations you might be going. Uh, this can be used as cash at any Disney destination or store. Traveling with kids in your party, Dave will also provide you autograph books for all your kids. He gave them to us? Absolutely. Your kids went down with Dave Weicker autograph books. Of course. Well, Disney autograph books supplied by Dave Weicker. Depends how his name on Dave simplifies your life by booking your complete vacation, including resort stay, airlines, Disney meal plans, and park passes. Also, checks daily for new discounts. When specials are announced, he immediately checks availability and rebooks your vacation at the lowest possible price. Dave can also book all your Disney dining and will do his best to get hard-to-book reservations like Cinderella's Royal Table and Be Our Guest. It's really, truly a no-brainer. Folks, take the stress out of your life. Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, the official travel agent of Two Men and the Mouse.
If you and your family are taking a trip to the Orlando area this year, your little ones deserve to stroll in style. Lugging a stroller from home can be an annoying and frustrating part of the first leg of your journey, and renting those hard plastic strollers from Disney theme parks can be both costly and uncomfortable for your kids. Well, I'm here to tell you about the solution to your child transport problems, and that's Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers is a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. Not only is it less expensive than renting a stroller from the theme parks themselves, but these are padded luxury models with features like drink holders, canopies, storage baskets, and more. What's more, you keep this stroller with you for your entire trip, whereas park-rented strollers, you got to return them before you leave the park that day. This is going to make those late-night post-fireworks bus stop queues so much easier, and Dad's shoulders are going to thank you for it. So, how does it work? You just go to kingdomstrollers.com and make your selection on the stroller or crib that's right for your child. Just let the good folks over there know a great time for delivery and pickup and where you'll be staying. You can pick your stroller or crib up from the luggage stand at your resort and then drop them back off there at the end of your stay. So pack light, leave your stroller at home, and save up to a whopping 50% versus park price stroller rentals when you visit kingdomstrollers.com. humans my name is morty monster and i'm uh, well i'm a monster i'm here as an exchange student from the monster world where growing up i fell in love with the world of human pop culture unfortunately not a lot of monsters share that passion so i came here to experience all of these things that i love and to share that passion with all of you i do this through my youtube channel with regular video blogs One of my favorite things to do is film while in the theme parks of Orlando, Florida. Join me in Walt Disney World, Universal Studios, SeaWorld, and more. I'll also be reviewing comic books, web videos, TV shows, movies, and other awesome stuff. Find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash MortyMonster. I'm on Instagram as MortyMonsterAndFriends. I'm also on Twitter as MortyMonsterBFF. From there, you can find a link to my YouTube videos. Please like, subscribe, love, sign up for notifications and more for all the Morty content. I can't wait to share my adventures with all of you. Morty Monster! This is Bill Farmer and you're listening to Two Men and the Mouse. Folks, the Two Men and the Mouse World Tour continues this week. Last week, we learned all about the prologue of the Magic Kingdom, Main Street, USA. But now it's time to dive into the heart of Walt Disney World. It's time to explore a land of enchantment, a land of magic, a land of fantasy. Yes! Fantasyland is without a doubt the most magical place in the entire Magic Kingdom and perhaps all of Walt Disney World as a whole. Would you say so? Yeah, I mean, you can make the case it's the most important land in the entire property. Absolutely, which is why we put so much work into this today. It's a place where fairy tales come to life, where princesses reside, and storybook creatures are waiting around the corner to greet you. But, like most places that we're visiting on our tour, there's a lot more to this land than meets the eye. It plays an integral role in the overarching story of the Magic Kingdom, and it is steeped 
in real life history, bringing us back to the time of old world Europe. So today for our e-ticket attraction of the week, Pete and I are going to explore the past, present, and future of Fantasyland. And as always, the e-ticket attraction this week brought to you by our friends over at Kingdom Strollers for all of your crib and stroller rental needs in the Orlando area. Uh, so, Fantasyland. I'm so excited about this one because it's probably my... It's probably my... A, a case could be made for it being my favorite, though I am pretty much known as a Liberty Square guy. Right. But, I mean, there's so much good in Oh, yeah, come land. on. We're, we're talking about some of the best lands in yeah. any theme park anywhere. I mean, Fantasyland is really the place where that Disney magic resides. Like, it's the most Disney of all the lands in any of the parks, bar none. So, Walt said of the original Fantasyland in Disneyland... Um, that the entire concept of Fantasyland was inspired by the lyrics to When You Wish Upon a Star from Pinocchio. Um, and he called it a... <coughs> he called it a timeless land of enchantment, which I think is very, like, nice and quaint. Various themes and architecture reminiscent of Old World Europe can be found all throughout this land. You've got medieval architecture and tents near, the, near Philhar Magic. You've got more German-Bavarian-inspired architecture over by Pinocchio Village House. Um... English Tudor facades over by Peter Pan's uh, flight, and it's a small world. You've got more of a French deal going on over by Princess Fairytale Hall. So it's very much, you know, inspired by that old world Europe feel. And that's the important part of this story that the Magic Kingdom is telling us, because we're starting out in the far past. But we're going to start still in the main hub where we left off uh, last week. And we're starting at Cinderella Castle. The gateway to Fantasyland. You have to start there. Yeah, I mean, the icon of the Magic Kingdom, but also the icon of Walt Disney World itself, and to an extent, the Disney company as a whole. Like, before every Disney animation movie, you get that, you know, and it's got Cinderella Castle on it. That's right. It's not Sleeping Beauty Castle, it's not any of the others, it is Cinderella Castle. Um... Now, Cinderella Castle is meant to be a visual magnet, visual magnet for the entire park, um, but it used to be harder to see because there used to be a lot more trees in the main hub. I noticed this when I popped in uh, my trip from 1987 when I made this video for my parents, and the main hub, there's so many more trees. Right. Like, it, it was almost like blocking your view of a lot of different areas. So now, um, we talked a bit about how Cinderella Castle is one of the most photographed, um, you know, buildings on the planet correct i did some research on this remember when we were like talking about how many pictures are taken of it a day mm -hmm. it has been said that it takes more than more it's been said that more than thirty thousand photos are taken every single day of cinderella castle 365 days a year i i know this is gonna sound crazy but you think i still think it has to be more you think it has to be yeah maybe do you think there's thirty thousand people like, what do you think the attendance is at Magic Kingdom? I have no idea. I've really tried to, like, figure that out. And I'm There's sure if I... 30,000 people there. I'm sure if I asked a cast member, they'd be able to tell me, like, what a typical day is like or what, like... But, I mean, I would think 30,000 people is capacity, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you? Now, even if all those people only took one picture, because, like, my kids don't really take pictures, I take them. But I'm taking... I'm not taking four. You know how many pictures you take of a castle? That's the one. You're but like, do you know how many people are 30,000 people? Yeah, that's a stadium. You think yeah, an, you, you think enough people to fill? A, you think people that can fill like a baseball stadium are well, in the well, Magic I mean, Kingdom? Like, like half of a baseball stadium? Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't think so. 
But I could be totally wrong. We we got to find this. Who knows? Out. Me too. Jeez, what do we know? Yeah. Um. So, it's a very important site for a lot of people. Most people feel that Disney trip hasn't officially started until they see Cinderella Castle, right? Right. It is inspired by numerous castles throughout Europe, uh, numerous French castles, but mostly uh, King Ludwig II's new Swanstone Castle in Germany, which you can also see in another Disney attraction in Soren Around the World. Correct. When they changed Soren, they put in uh, the second, uh, the the new Swanstone Castle in there, which you know, if you look at it, you're like, okay, yeah, Cinderella Castle is inspired by that. Now the castle, now Cinderella Castle itself actually tells a bit of a story through its architecture. The castle base is designed like a 13th century medieval fortress, but as you go up, it becomes like a Renaissance palace. So it's reflective of the evolution of European castle design throughout the years. And that's done intentionally. Do you know how tall Cinderella Castle is? Uh, 189? 189 feet. There you go. It is 100 feet taller than Sleeping Beauty Castle in Disneyland, but, you know, who's, who's counting? Uh, <laughs> me. I am. Uh, so now do you know why 189 feet? Yeah, so 200, they'd have to put the blinker on top. Exactly, you'd have to put a red dot on top of it if it was So they didn't want to make it one foot less, because who knows when you're measuring and yada yada. So they did. They went for the the 11. Now, when the Magic Kingdom was first being designed, Cinderella Castle was actually um, elevated in the conception process. Because Walt didn't think that Sleeping Beauty Castle was prominent enough, and he's right. Right. Uh, So it was purposely designed to be tall enough that you can see it from the Seven Seas Lagoon and the TTC and the various resorts that surround it. Because they wanted that sense of excitement that you see the castle from so far off. It is built using forced perspective. So as we talked about last week with the Main Street buildings, as the castle gets taller, the dimensions of it get smaller. So the window that Tinkerbell jumps out of every night, not jumps out of, glides out of, is only about two feet tall. Uh, the castle, now, through forced perspective, as we said, it's only 189 feet, but forced perspective gives it the impression of being 300 feet tall. Okay. Now, do you know how many stones are used in the construction of Cinderella Castle? I do not know that. Not a single one. There you go. They use no bricks. It looks like there's stones at the bottom, but it's not. Cinderella Castle is built of concrete, steel, cement, plaster, and fiberglass. And it was done to be able to withstand the gale force winds of a Florida hurricane. Makes sense. Right. Totally. And there was a rumor, you know, one of the more ridiculous Disney rumors. And every time we get a hurricane down here, somebody inevitably asks me about it that thinks it's real. That in the event of a hurricane, Cinderella Castle can be disassembled (laughs) into three equal parts like a puzzle and taken down so that the hurricane won't knock it down. That's ridiculous. It's not. Um, However... Um, the inner structure of Cinderella Castle is composed of 600 tons of steel, and that is then covered by a fiberglass facade. The concrete foundation of the castle is actually filled with foam, and that is done for weight conservation. And both the walls inside and outside of the castle were sculpted to look like granite, but it is not granite. Right. Construction began on Cinderella Castle in 1969, so Walt never even lived to see like the groundbreaking of Cinderella Castle. No. Uh, it was finished in July of 1971, so they finished Cinderella Castle a couple months before the park opened. There are 18 spires on Cinderella Castle. All of these spires were built on property, and they were they were installed by being hoisted up on a crane and then slid into place. So the first real use of the high-reach crane was to p- 
put Cinderella Castle together, and now they use it to hang the lights on it. And we love it so much. The tallest spire of the 18 is gold, and it is topped with a flag. Now, there are flags all over Cinderella Castle spires. One of them is artificial. I mean, all flags are technically artificial. They're not real people, because they're flags. But uh, right. <laughs> this flag is actually a transmitter. Uh, it's an antenna that actually coordinates all the Main Street parades. Huh. Yep. That's pretty cool. Now, people always wonder, you know, oh, I've heard that there's an apartment in the in Cinderella Castle. There is. There wasn't always. Um, the Cinderella Castle Dream Suite was created in 2006, so it's still fairly new, about, 50, you know, 14 years old at this point. Originally, um, plans on Cinderella Castle were designed to build an apartment for the Disney family within the castle. I guess Walt was tired of living in a firehouse, wanted to live in a castle. Right. But now I'm thinking about it like, you know, how how much did do you think they had planned before Walt passed away? Do you think Walt was like, yeah, build me an apartment in the castle? Or do you think that was Roy? Hmm. Like, I was wondering if that was if that was an apartment originally intended for Roy O'Disney. That's interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, right. Maybe Roy wanted that. Yeah. Is it to, whenever I hear someone say Roy O Disney, I always like picture it as like a super like Roy is like a super like Scottish guy like my name is Roy O Disney <laughs> like the O with a little apostrophe there. Uh, so the apartment was never actually built, but the space for it was included in the castle. This was used for dressing rooms for cast members, um, a storage facility, and a telephone switchboard for years. Eventually, in 2006, it was converted into the Cinderella Castle Dream Suite. Now, if you want to know where it is, if you're in Fantasyland, looking up at the castle from the rear, look for three tall windows with pointed arches that are facing out toward Fantasyland. The Dream Suite is 650 square feet. It features a parlor, a salon, a bedroom, and a bathroom. So you can get your hair and nails done in the salon. No, I'm kidding. It's not not that kind of salon, folks. It's a classy salon. Um, now this is, you cannot book this room it's not like you can throw down, right, right. You know, whatever amount of money and stay there. It is only for selected guests. Now we're talking back in 2006, they were doing the year of a million dreams and one family was selected every single day to spend the night in Cinderella castle. And they got dinner at Cinderella's Royal table and a whole bunch of other extras. Uh, now it's given to like make a wish kids, uh, you know, for their wish or, I think, like, was it Katy Perry or something like that stayed in it recently? Like, because they donated, like, a million dollars to charity or something like that? Oh, I don't know. But that's cool. I don't remember who it was, but I remember it was, like, one of the one pop, one of the female pop stars. And there was a pic, like, she posted an Instagram picture, like, sitting on the bed eating pizza in the Cinderella Castle Dream Suite. Now, the castle for well, court... they didn't throw out her extras. Yeah, exactly. Well, she'd get a free pizza out of it if she that's did. That's true. Uh, the Cinderella Castle forecourt stage has been host to such shows as Cinderella Bration, Dream Along with Mickey, and is now Mickey's Royal Friendship Fair, which we've talked about ad nauseum on this show. I miss Dream Along with Mickey. Yeah, that was pretty great. You know why I miss Dream You know what the thing I miss the most is conflict. Hmm. Okay. Like, do you remember the story of Dream Along with Mickey? Yeah, I saw it. For those of you that don't remember, like, they all come out and they're like, yeah, dreams! Dreams are awesome! And then Donald's like, ah, 
dreams. Dreams aren't so great. And then like they're like, no, Donald, dreams are awesome. Let us tell you why. And like they tell him why dreams are great and characters come out. And then like Maleficent comes out and she's like, dreams stink. And Donald's like, uh-uh, dreams are awesome because I've learned a lesson through this valuable story. Now it's not. Like, like we don't get that anymore. We don't get the villains coming out and getting vanquished and Donald Duck learning a story about why dreams are awesome. Mickey's Royal Friendship Fair is they all come dancing out and they're like, isn't friendship great? It sure is, Mickey. Let's sing about why it's so great. And everyone sings about how it's great. And then at the end, they're like, isn't friendship great? It sure is, Mickey. And that's it. Right. There's no conflict that needs to be, like, resolved here. Like, I remember Dream Along with Mickey. Like, remember when, like, the Jolly Roger would, like, appear on the side of the castle when, like, Hook would come in and Maleficent would appear on the stage and... Oh, it was so, Sean Yu was in it for whatever reason because Milan yeah, was there. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah, so now we got... Listen, I, I do like Mickey's Royal Friendship Fair. I, think, I feel like they kind of abandoned the original concept of, like, having seasonal closing. Like, remember the Rake and Leaves song that we talked about? Rake yep. and Leaves, Rake and Leaves, Rake, Rake, Rake the Leaves. Friendship. It... I don't really know if they do that anymore. Like, I mean, and to be fair, I haven't actually like, sat and watched it in a long time. Now, the castle is surrounded by a moat that holds 3.37 million gallons of water. However, the drawbridge of the castle cannot be raised. So, I don't know what they're going to do if if the castle comes under siege. Right. I feel like that might have been a design flaw. Like, yeah, poor planning. I mean, Sean Yu has been there. What if the Huns invade? It's like when people wear like fake like glasses. Yeah. Like the faux glasses. Right. Like, come on. You guys might need a drawbridge, dude. Exactly. Totally. 100%. Like, raise that drawbridge. Uh, the, uh, so Tinkerbell's flight. Do you know how long Tinkerbell's been flying out of the castle for? How long? Started on the 4th of July, 1985. Oh, yeah. And has occurred, okay. had occurred every night since, except weather permitting, with the exception of now COVID-19. Uh, she flies 750 feet at 15 miles per hour, and it takes about 34 seconds for her to get to where she's going. The Disney Family Coat of Arms, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the Disney Family Coat of Arms is actually carved into the stone above the Castle Breezeway. Okay. It's also there on the Fantasyland side. You can also catch it in Cinderella's Royal Table. It's actually over the fireplace, and it is three red lions rampant on a field of white. That is the Disney Family Coat of Arms. Uh, there is a working clock on the front of the castle. The number four is actually shown as four capital I's, which if you know your Roman numerals is not Roman numeral four. However, that was how four was depicted in early times. Uh, the hands of the clock also feature the sun and the moon and the 12 symbols of the zodiac. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I found that super interesting. Yeah, have that's you ever, crazy. Have you ever noticed the gargoyles? Yes. There are 13 gargoyles on Cinderella Castle. Now, I don't know what goes on when the sun goes down. Because, you know, like, they may come to life and help a plucky New York detective solve crimes. Watchable on Disney+. Plus. Stone by day, warriors by night. The most epic cartoon Disney's ever made. Um, I love it. It's so good. Folks, if you have not watched Gargoyles, what are you doing? Go watch Gargoyles. <laughs> like, it's so good. Why has there never been a Gargoyles movie? I don't know. Why has no one adapted Gargoyles into a movie or tried to, like, revive it? I mean, you have to... You know, obviously, Goliath would probably be CG, so you could still get Keith David to, like, do the voice. Yeah, they'd have to be, they'd have to be CG. They would ho- totally have to be CG. But... I, 
Gargoyles is such a good show. Such a good show. Um, five murals inside of the Castle Breezeway tell the story of Cinderella. This was created by, con, uh, conceived by Imagineer Dorothea Redmond. It, the panels are 15 by 10 feet, and it took more than two years to complete these. It's made of tens of thousands of pieces of smooth Italian glass and rough smalty. If you notice, uh, in the scene where Cinderella is getting the glass slipper put on, Anastasia's face is actually uh, made of red tiles, and Drizella's is made of green. To okay. show red with rage and green with envy. Yep. Have you ever noticed the columns inside the castle? In the breeze um, one? Yeah, I don't remember. Jacques and Gus are actually carved in, along with m- many of the birds that, that Cinderella... Um, cool. Uh, and these... these um, Pillars were carved by Imagineer Blaine Gibson, uh, not related to um, out-of-work owl and severe disappointment to his family, Hoot Gibson, who we talked about last week. Who just yep, you know still not can't, working. Just can't ever catch a break, that Hoot Gibson. Uh, no, that is Blaine Gibson, who actually sculpted the partner statue. He also sculpted the, um, the pillars inside of Cinderella Castle. Now, the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique used to also be in here. So if you're walking through from Main Street, USA, walking through the Castle Breezeway, You've got, um, on the right side is the doorway to Cinderella's Royal Table, which we'll get to in a second. And on the right, you have what used to be the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. Did you know that it moved? Uh, I did not. Yes. Oh, it, no. I did know it moved, because I know where it moved. It. Yeah, it moved to the former site of Castle Couture. But right, it used right. to be in the castle, which, you know, not a lot of space. So there wasn't really a lot of, um, you know, room to grow. Former, before Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique opened in 2007, this place was known as the King's Gallery. And it featured, spe- you could buy Spanish made swords, German steins, handmade dolls, and hand carved chess sets inside of this store. You, we, so you, you were there while it was the King's Gallery. Did you ever walk yep. into the King's Gallery? Um, I've taken a look in there. Yeah. I never did. I really? completely never noticed it. Huh. Not that I remember anyway. Cinderella's Royal Table is on the second floor of the castle. If you're walking through from the Main Street USA side, the elevator to get there will and check-in counter will be on your right. Uh, you take a picture with Cinderella before you enter, and during the breakfast, the princesses all come around to your table. You can also go to dinner there. I believe dinner is presided over by the fairy godmother. Um, thoughts on Cinderella's Royal Table? I've done it kind of in a bunch of incarnations. I mean... I've had lunch there when it wasn't characters. I've done breakfast there. I've done dinner there. I like it. Do you think the appeal is that, like, you're eating inside the castle? Like, Yes. That's, like, 80% like percent of the experience. I've had a great window seat, and I'm like, this is great. And I've sat as far away from the windows, and I'm like, oh, this is okay. I'm, like, in the kitchen. I've only done it one time, and I enjoyed it when I did it. But, you know, it was typical breakfast fare, eggs, bacon, sausage. It had a yep. nice, I remember it had a very nice fruit salad. This is one of those um, experiences, though, that you have to prepay for or use two dining credits on your dining plan, which you always say never to do. Yeah, don't think it's worth it. Interestingly enough, before it was known as Cinderella's Royal Table, it was known as King Stefan's Banquet Hall. Now, who is King Stefan? It's not Prince Charming's father from Cinderella. It's actually Sleeping Beauty's father. Yep. So why did King Stefan have a banquet hall in Cinderella's castle? These are questions that I need answered. It is. I don't know if there is an answer. Uh, so there, uh, the restaurant is decorated with stained glass windows and various coats of arms all over the place. And those are actually the family crests of many of the Imagineers that worked on the Magic Kingdom, including the Disney coat of arms, which you talked about before. Now, changes made to Cinderella Castle over the years. We've had the birthday cake. 
for the 25th anniversary, which I was there for. Right. The big pink birthday cake. In the opening of Stitch's Great Escape, it was covered in toilet paper with Stitch's King written on the side. Correct. Gold trim accents were added in honor of Disneyland's 50th anniversary with a stained glass mi- with a stained glass mirror that changed every 40 seconds to show other Disney castles throughout the world. Didn't love that. Didn't love it either. Uh, currently, the castle is being repainted once more to a uh, deeper shade of blue with some gold accents, and it looks absolutely amazing. I got to really see it in person. So, uh... I mean, I saw, it, I saw it in person while they were doing it, and it was, it was amazing. I just feel like the pink they're adding, it just looks like a bigger version of Sleeping Beauty Castle in, in California. Are they adding pink? I didn't see them adding pink. Yeah, I thought there was like, some pink to it. I don't think so. I think they're just adding blue and gold. Cranford colors. What? Yeah. All right, I'm pulling up picture. Keep going. Uh, so on the right side, after leaving Cinderella, is a wishing well, which many people actually mistakenly believe to be Snow White's wishing well. I understand why they would think that, because Snow White's really the only princess that had a wishing well. However, this is Cinderella's wishing well. You can see it because there's a big C on it. Uh, the change that is collected from the well is then donated to local charities by Disney. And um, have you ever stopped at the wishing well and taken a picture there? Um, no. It's no, a- that's not true. I have. You know, the one in California we've done because it's oftentimes like a meet and greet and it's really cool. Yeah, I but... know the evil queen. That one is actually Snow White's wishing well, I believe. Yeah. 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 This one is Cinderella's. It's very regal looking. It's got a really nice. It's a really nice picture spot for the castle because you've got like yeah. a nice side view of it. Uh, now, if you could con- continue down this path, you're on the way to Tomorrowland. Uh, but right. there's one more thing that you're going to find, and that is the Merida meet-, meet and Greet, which I this is one of the best meet and greet locations on property, I think. Yeah. Like, does any other character have such a huge meet and greet location? Hmm. I know. It's a huge stage. It's got animatronic bears. We, yeah, it is pretty neat. We devils more like it. Um, perfectly themed, actually used to be Bell's Fairy Tale Garden Theater before they gave it to Merida. This was story time with Bell, uh, where people would come up to play various parts in the show, which sounds very familiar, as it should, because it is currently repurposed into a different attraction, which we'll talk about the, later, which is Enchanted Tales of Bell. Now, right. as uh, now on the other side of uh, the castle, if, after you walk through it, if you go to the left... Not much on that. A um, couple of benches, a couple of garbage cans. They recently uh, made this pathway wider. However, it is a Two Men in the Mouse historical site. It is the site of... Uh, you want to go ahead? This is not my story. Um, that is where I got engaged. Yes. That is where a Peter Mandel place. popped the question. That is true. On a very, very, very cold afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> very cold. I, th- I got to tell you, as far as places to propose, this was a really smart one. I wonder if any of our other if, of our listeners have ever like who have Disney proposals have ever done it there. You know, half the reason why I did it there, I'm not someone that's like, um, oh, I have to propose here in front of all these people. Matter of fact, I wanted the opposite. Right, you I wanted, wanted something more in private. Disney World. I wanted something by the castle, and I wanted no one there. And I actually got it. That almost can't be said now because they've widened it so much. Yeah. There's tons of people walking through. But at the time, there was no one there. I mean, we sat there for a while, and, like, no one really came by. It used so. to be a pretty private location. People have kind of discovered it in recent years, started crowding it with their strollers and whatnot. So they had no choice but to widen it. I don't even think there's the little offshoots in it anymore, but I might be mistaken because I've only walked down the new one a couple times. Right. So the courtyard of the castle reveals Fantasyland in all of its splendor. And one of my favorite additions to Fantasyland has been 
the spires and turrets that match Cinderella Castle that like kind of frame the land. I mean, that was a ama- and they did that in the front too. They did it in the front and the back, and I think it's just amazing. And I love when they light it up. They light those up at Christmas as well. Not the ones in the back, but the ones in the front. No, you're totally right. The first place we're going to stop is one of my favorite stores, Sir Mickey's. Um, I've never bought anything there, but I just think it looks cool. It's themed after Mickey and the Beanstalk and the Brave Little Tailor. You know what's special about Mickey and the Beanstalk? Hmm, That's awesome. Well, it is awesome, but it is also the last time Walt Disney performed Mickey Mouse's voice. Oh, okay. So it's kind of a historical moment. It's like it's like the Muppets go to Walt Disney World or Muppet Vision 3D, whichever, like depending on who you ask. As the last time Jim Henson uh, performed Kermit, right. <clears throat> now, before ni- now, it was only been Sir Mickey's since 1996. Formerly, it was actually two stores that got joined into one. One of them was Mickey's Christmas Carol store, another Christmas store that sold holiday items, and Merlin's Magic Shop, which sold magic tricks, Ooh. masks, games, and ventriloquist dummies. Oh, interesting. Yeah, weirdly enough. That actually closed in 1986, Merlin's Magic Shop, and was replaced by the Aristocats Shop. So it was a just your regular character souvenirs. You can get a Donald Duck Needlepoint kit in there. And it was there, it was the Aristocats Shop until 1996. In 96, the Aristocats Shop and the Christmas Shop unified to become Sir Mickey's. Now, if you go down that uh, little path toward where you got engaged you will see something uh, pretty cool, and that is a fountain with Cinderella on it and a bunch of drinking fountains. It is called La Fontaine de Cendrillon, which means Cinderella's Fountain, or some people call it Rags to Riches. It's a bronze statue of Cinderella. Now, behind her is like a mural, and there's a crown on the mural, which, you know, from a typical adult standpoint, just kind of looks like it's there. But from a child's perspective, from their POV... The crown actually rests on her head. And if you get, like, if you like, crouch down and look at it, you'll be able to see it. It's a picture I always love to take. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we take this picture every time. Yeah. So. yeah, so it was like a nice little uh, little thing. To do. They, the, the, um, Jack and Gus are also um, in that statue as well. Now, right here also, right next to the fountain, is typically a meet and greet. I've seen Cinderella's mice there, like the female mice. Which is weird. Right. They have like the fe- the female mice that never had names, but Jacques and Gus don't have meet and greet characters. Right? Yeah. Weird. Uh, I've seen the fairy godmother there. I thought the mice do have names. Do the female mice have names? I've never. Yeah, it's Perla and. Oh, it is. You're right. Wow, it's been so long since I've seen Cinderella. I don't remember the other one. I don't remember the other one either, but I remember Perla. Um, <clears throat> now, more often than not, the one I've seen there most lately has been Cinderella's stepsisters, who are always an amazing. Uh, meet and greet. Yeah, you get the fairy godmother there. I mean, granted, not in a while, but I've we used to get that all the time. She's now. there, and she's often in like the the archway that kind of like the castle archway that leads into um, New Fantasyland. Right. So she. It depends on the day, really. <clears throat> now, as we continue to walk down on the left hand side, will be Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. Formerly, this store was Castle Couture, which was just a pretty like regular store you could buy princess dresses in there um and it was mostly known for the uh, aurora dress that was behind the uh the counter and it would change from pink to blue and you'd hear uh fauna and merryweather arguing over pink and blue very cool i loved that i like how flora like didn't care about the color green she was just like listen i just wear this it's not that easy being green so i don't want to make her dress green 
Right. Also part of this area that is now Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique is formerly a place called uh, Tinkerbell's Fairy Treasures. And this was a toy store that opened with the park in 1971, originally themed to the Darling Nursery from Peter Pan. It featured a chest of drawers where Tinkerbell would be trapped inside. You could actually look through the keyhole and see her in there. Uh, That was replaced in 2008 with an effect where Tinkerbell flies around the room. Now, that is actually an effect you can still see in Walt Disney World today. They have moved it over to World of Disney. Oh, okay. At the checkout counter. For World of Disney, like when, like when you're when you're checking out, there's a there's a Tinkerbell effect where she flies around the wall, behind the uh, cash registers. Castle Couture sprang up out of Tinkerbell's fairy treasures, and then eventually absorbed the shop into itself, and it all became Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. Now, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique obviously is a is a salon for not a salon like the salon in Cinderella Castle, the salon. It's an actual salon. Uh, girls can, little girls can get their hair done, they can get their nails done, they can um, get princess dresses, and Abby has never done this, has she? No. And she's getting up there, probably, she's probably never going to do it. No, I, I gotta be honest with you, I, I kind of offered, like, in the last couple trips, but I don't know how much she really cares, which is funny, because my daughter is super girly girl. Right, I, I thought this would have her written all over it. I, I did also, but... Interesting, very interesting. So yeah, there are three Bibbidi-Bobbidi boutiques on Disney property. One is here in this area, in the Magic Kingdom. The other is in Disney Springs. It is over by the Void, uh, which is over by like that, uh, over by where Earl of Sandwich is. It's its own freestanding right. building. And they've opened one in the Di- in Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. So there are three, three Bibbidi Bobbidi boutiques. But you got to think like if you're getting a Bibbidi Bobbidi makeover for your daughter, it's you want the Fantasyland one. Yeah, but you know what? I think the I think even more important than location is time. Yeah, right? I like you want that. to maximize this. So, like, if you're going to the Magic Kingdom for the day, and she's going to be all done up like a princess, you want it as early as possible so you guys can go. Right. So, you know, if I could get it in Fantasyland, but it's not till four thirty, like I would rather take it early somewhere else. Moving forward, we are greeted with our first attraction of Fantasyland, and that is Cinderella's Golden Carousel. Now, this carousel was actually built in 1917 by the Philadelphia Toboggan Company. It was not always in Orlando, Peter Mantle. Clearly, it was built long before Walt Disney World was ever even conceived of. Long before Disneyland was ever conceived of. It was originally located a little closer to home for you, and for me originally, in Olympic Park in Maplewood, New Jersey. Yep. It's fascinating to me. The Imagineers found it. It was kind of run down. They bought it, they transported it, they renovated it, they had 24-carat gold leaf and real silver and bronze accents. Now, this that could, is... That could not be an easy transport. That thing is enormous. I, I mean, yeah. It's so huge. I mean, it is has four... It, it has... It has many rows. <laughs> I, I said one of... Oh, okay, so it was one of only four five-row carousels that right. the Philadelphia Toboggan Company created. It has 87 horses on it. All of these horses are hand-painted. And it takes 48 hours per horse for the painting. And some of them sometimes get refurbished. Now, when you go onto the carousel, if you've got little ones, you're going to want to go further in because the the smaller, more child-sized horses are more on the inside. And as you get further toward the edge, the horses get larger and for adults. One of these is actually Cinderella's horse, and that is in the second row with a gold ribbon on its tail. So look out for Cinderella's horse next time you're there. Classic Disney songs played on an Italian band organ 
play through here. Like some of them are like Chimchur Chimchur seems to always be the one that's playing when I walk by. For some reason, I always I seem to remember that. that. Uh, <clears throat> originally, this was going to be located in a bit of a different spot, but Royo Disney actually stepped in and was like, "No, I want you to put it right behind the you know the the breezeway because I want people to be able to see it from Main Street and it to be this thing that kind of beckons you in." Now, one of the coolest things about the carousel, periodically, Cinderella's stepsisters will ride it. Okay. Have you ever seen them doing it? I've seen them out there. I haven't seen them ride it. They will They will periodically ride the carousel and, like, ride with kids and, like, hold their hands. And it's pretty cool. I've seen it happen a bunch of times. I've also seen it in Disneyland where Belle and the Beast were riding the carousel. As interesting. So, Belle and the Beast were riding it and Gaston was on the outside literally running in a circle Chasing oh, them great. and yelling at them. That's great. It's, those are the kind of things that can only happen in Disneyland because Walt Disney World can't. Walt Disney World has no chill with that kind of stuff and it would never happen. The Sword in the Stone is also right in front of the carousel. Obviously, it is the Sword in the Stone and Anvil from Disney's uh, Sword in the Stone movie. Also, the Arthurian legend, the legend of King Arthur. It says in a plaque, Whoso pulleth out this sword of this stone and anvil is rightwise ruler, born of England. I always try. I always try. One day it's going to happen. You think so? One day this, one day Excalibur is going to recognize that it is my right by birth to rule. Huh. And I will have the sword, and then I will take it to Epcot, and I will walk into the UK pavilion where I will be crowned king. And I will rule the Epcot UK Pavilion. All the fish and chips you can eat. All the fish and chips that I can eat, which is none because it's too hot and it will burn the inside of my mouth. Uh, but, you know, they've got British Revolution will play for my amusement. And there's that store that's got the Doctor Who stuff. So, you know, right. I'm pretty happy at that point. The Ireland booth comes there during food and wine. I'm pretty happy. Uh, so, from 1994 to 2006, there was actually a Sword in the Stone uh, ceremony that was presided over several times a day uh, by Merlin. Child would be chosen, they would lift the sword, and would be named Temporary Ruler of the Realm. As we move to the right side of the carousel, we've got Princess Fairytale Hall, which is a meet-and-greet location where you can get Cinderella, Rapunzel, and two other guest princesses. Usually, I think it's been... Lately, I think it's been uh, Elena of Avalor, and um, I think Tiana was the other one? Yeah, I think they moved Tiana there. Yeah, because she was meeting and greeting in the, the gazebo in Liberty Square, but I think they moved her to Princess Fairytale Hall recently. Right. Now, when you go into Princess Fairytale Hall, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you've done it, I haven't. Uh, when you walk in, you can either go to the Cinderella line or the Rapunzel line. So there's correct. two different lines. So you're not getting all four with one line. You have to wait on two lines. Anna right. and Elsa also used to be here before they got their permanent location in the Norway Pavilion in Epcot. Now, formerly, famously, this was Snow White's Scary Adventure. Yes. Do you miss that attraction, or does it not? Well, like... okay, so I've ridden it a whole bunch of times in California, so... Oh, okay, like recently, right, it's still there. And it is more traditional still, you know, because they kind of changed it in, in Disney World. So, right. But I do miss it. Listen, taking rides away, I'm never going to be in favor of that. Right. Before 1994, Snow White did not appear in the ride. Right. Uh, because you were supposed to be Snow White, but that confused people. I mean, you know, I've always wanted to be Snow White, so it was, you know, it was fun for me. 
but you know, I, people people were confused. They had to change it, much like the the often missed uh, alien names for all the food in Galaxy's Edge. Yes, Snow White had to be put into the <laughs> into the ride. The ride vehicles all had the names of of dwarves. Uh, there was flat artwork layered throughout the attraction to give it the effect of you being inside an animated movie. Now, what ticket do you think this attraction originally carried? A through E. D. This was a C ticket ride. Oh, I was going to say you C. Overestimated. Uh, originally just called Snow White's Adventures, it was eventually renamed Snow White's Scary Adventure. Now, the original finale of the ride was the queen pushing a giant green gem at your ride vehicle, which gave guests the sense that they were killed by the queen, which also didn't sit right with a lot of people. Yeah. In 1994, that scene was taken out. Snow White was added, and a much happier ending was put in place. Uh, There was a gift shop as well, which was also the former site of the Castle Candy Shop, which sold candy. Now, we're going to move down uh, toward Tomorrowland at this point. And so the next thing you're going to see is the Friar's Nook, one of my favorite quick service locations in the Magic Kingdom. Now, you may look at the Friar's Nook and be like, ah, it's just a, a counter, whatever. Very little seating outside of it. This is the former home of what was my favorite quick service meal, the pot roast mac and cheese. Right. You love that. I did. Currently, it has like bratwurst, hot dogs, and tater tots. You can get the tater tots with the mac and cheese as well. All sorts of different kind of like tacho kind of things. Like, right. Everyone loves tater tots all of a sudden. This is one of the this is the only place in Walt Disney World themed to the uh, the animated Robin Hood film. Uh, Friar's Nook means Friar Tuck. <clears throat> On the sign for the Friar's Nook, you'll see the Roman numeral MLXII, which means 1071, which is October 1971, which is when Walt Disney World opened. This was once, once upon a time, Peter Mandel, this was the Village Fry Shop. You know what they sold there? Um, Ice cream? No, fries. That's cool. Not just French fries, McDonald's French fries. Ah. Everyone always talks about, like, the, the card in Epcot that used to sell McDonald's French fries, and they forget that there was a village fry shop that sold McDonald's french fries in the Magic Kingdom in Fantasyland. <clears throat> it also used to have all the dirty dishes from the dwarves' cottage on the second floor, and you could see them in the windows. Before that, it was known as Lumiere's Kitchen. And before that, it was actually known as Gurgi's Munchies and Crunchies, which was themed to the Black Cauldron. That's so okay. cool that there was a Black Cauldron-themed restaurant at one point. Yeah, I don't think Black Cauldron anything. Right? And the food that you got at Gurgi's Munchies and Crunchies came in a collectible box. And before that, it was known as the Lancer's Inn, and it was the only place in the Magic Kingdom that served pizza. Oh, wow. Yeah. Next to that is Storybook Treats, which is where you can get the infamous Peter Pan float. Infamous for all the good reasons. Uh, It is uh, key lime soft serve ice cream floated on top of Sprite. Truly, truly wonderful. We talked about it a little bit when we did our, our snack rundown for the gauntlet recently. Uh, it now it serves other ice cream as well. It had the lemon Dole Whip, the Tangled-themed one. I'm not sure if it still does. But it's also at Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party where you can get the candy corn soft-serve ice cream. Mm-hmm. Formerly, this was known as Mrs. Potts Cupboard. And before that, it was called the Round Table. So I, I don't know why they changed it from Mrs. Potts Cupboard. Yeah, Mrs. Potts Cupboard is where we got Ethan's first ever ice cream. Oh, man. Like, why would you take why would you take the IP out of it and just make it storybook treats? I don't know. I guess because they were like, Beauty and the Beast stuff is all kind of on the other side of, the, of Fantasyland. Right. I guess. I don't know. 
The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh is next on the right. You ride in Honey Pots, which are some of my favorite ride vehicles. It has an interactive queue with games for kids to play, or, you know, adults, as is usually the case if I'm in the if I'm in there. It also has that really gross touch screen where you can wipe away all the honey to reveal Pooh and his friends. Yep. So here's the thing with that. It's gross, uh, especially now in a post-COVID world. It's even doubly gross because all the kids have their grimy hands on it. I made a discovery about it. If you hover your hand in front of the screen and don't touch it, it has the same effect as if you are touching it. I'm so just going to pass all together. You can, yeah, but you can like use the force to get rid of all that honey. That is cool. Still going to pass. That means it's not a touch screen. It is like a sensor thing. Right. Um, everything in... So, I love the Winnie the Pooh ride. I think it's fantastic. It tells a bunch of classic stories. The one area that is my favorite... Well, first of all, my favorite effect is when Pooh Bear falls asleep and you see like the dream it's Pooh so Bear. Cool. Such a cool effect. When the dream Pooh Bear like floats away. And then you have the Heffalump and Woozle scene where everything is in 2D. Everything's flat. Right. Um, and that's to show that it's Pooh's dream. My favorite like flat part. Dave Weikert. What? No, not like, like not to be Dave. confused with Flat Dave Weikert, though he's probably Flat Dave Weikert at life size is probably as tall as some of those heffalumps. Right. <clears throat> My favorite is the heffalump that like has the cannon, but it blows like the circle of smoke at you, and it goes. <laughs> this is full of Sherman Brothers musical goodness. They wrote all the all the music for the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, and Owl's Home has a little Easter egg on it, and then you can look at one of the um, pictures on the wall, which shows Thaddeus Toad, Mr. Toad himself, handing the deed of the site over to Owl. And on the floor, there's also, you can see Moly, like, looking at Pooh. And, and, and that picture's a little behind you, so you kind of yeah, gotta You have to look for around. it. You gotta know it's there. So why is Thaddeus Toad, of all people, on Owl's wall? That's a good question. You want to tell us why? Because it used to be the former area where Mr. Toad's Mr. Toad's ride Wild Ride, an opening day attraction set in old London. What ticket did it take to ride Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Peter Mandel? I'm going to say E. It was a C ticket. Man, I, I'm terrible at this. You thought that was an E ticket attraction? It's just so famous. I thought maybe they had it, yeah. you know. I feel like I got famous later in life, though, after the after the park tickets kind of went away. You know, let me just say a real quick bummer about um, the Pooh Bear ride. Okay. When you go on that in Disneyland... No Tigger scene, right? No bouncing. Yeah. Like, the bouncing's awesome. The bouncing's, like, the best part. I know. Where, you, like, the, where the honeypot bounces about. Yeah, what's up with that? Clearly, in California, they got some stuff to work out. Crazy. Now... In California, Winnie the Pooh replaced um, the Country Bear Jamboree, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you might be right. It's in bear country out there, so it's not even near fence. I'm pretty sure it replaced Country Bear Jamboree. Now, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. um, Mr. Toad is a character that was first shown in a story called The Wind in the Willows. Disney adapted that into the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad with Ichabod Crane from uh, Sleepy Hollow, the Headless Horseman. Now... Here's my weird thing about this one. This, this, I've never been on this ride, but the concept of it really bothers me. Okay. So, like, you elude the police and all that, and then you get hit by a train, and you yeah. end up in, for lack of a better term, the world of fire and brimstone. Correct. Do you escape? Uh, or does it, like, end where it's like, welcome to eternity, Mr. Toad? 
it is it is weird if you really read into all the craziness it's weird yeah i mean okay now, do you know what was um interesting about walt disney world's version i don't know if disneyland is like this tell me the you have two different tracks that you can take and both tracks are completely different huh completely I... different ride experience but much like fate and final destination that train is still waiting for you at the end regardless of which one you go to right this was originally supposed to be more of a roller coaster attraction, but Walt wanted something different that kids could enjoy. Because <laughs> it sounds like a perfect kid ride. Right. You know, you get hit with a train and you go, uh, you go down south. <laughs> Toad is currently immortalized in the pet cemetery area of uh, the Haunted Mansion, which we will talk about next week. Now, the uh, as with most rides, you exit through the gift shop. The gift shop here is Hundred Acre Goods. There's also a play a play area out front called Pooh's Playful Spot, which used to be somewhere else. Uh, now, as you go further down, you have what's called a place for friends, and that is where a character meet and greet, where you can meet Pooh Bear and Tigger. Now, at the Halloween party and Christmas party, it's Pooh, Tigger, and Eeyore, and I believe Piglet? Or maybe not Piglet. Yeah, I don't think it's all four. It's definitely... <laughs> excuse me. It's definitely Pooh, Tigger, and Eeyore. The Cheshire Cafe is next on our list, where we talked about the Cheshire Cattails. Yeah, I gotta get one. I gotta try one of those. Everyone's raving about it to me. Like everyone, all our listeners are telling me, like, "Oh, it's so good. You gotta get it. It's like it's like flaky, like like croissant kind of pastry." Uh, so you get coffee here, pastries, drinks, snacks. Now, interestingly about this area, no background music. Hmm, didn't never notice that. That's because it's a transitional spot between Fantasyland, Tomorrowland, Main Street, USA. Right. So no one piece of music. Because, like, you know, if you're hearing, like, Fantasyland music, you're looking at Cosmic Ray Starlight Cafe. You're ready to go on an intergalactic musical spectacular with Sunny Eclipse at this point. You're looking at Main Street, USA. You're expecting some uh, some old-timey Broadway music. But it's not. Hmm. All right. Next attraction on our list is the Mad Tea Party. The uh, main thing that I like to point out about this is that there's a character meet and greet right outside of it with Alice. I've seen the Mad Hatter and the Tweedles out there at like special events, but usually it's at least Alice. I've also seen the evil, the Red Queen out there as well, Queen of Hearts. Yeah, we got all four of them at the um, Christmas party. Yeah. No, it was Halloween party. Sorry. Now, the Mad Tea Party, there are 18 teacups. Now, is it true that the Disneyland version is completely exposed to the elements? Yeah, it's open, right? Yeah, I have like so lights hanging over the top. That is so weird to me. Like, it rains into the teacups. Yes. Well, the Walt Disney World version has a pink teapot, and the Dormouse pops out of it. Disneyland does not have this, and also it is covered. Uh, right. They do a really awesome version of it at the Halloween party, where they do like special lighting and special music. And I, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the teacups. I believe the last time I wrote it, I didn't spin the teacup. Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled. I just had a conversation with my kids within the last month. I never need to ride it ever again. They're both kind of done with it. I'm like, oh, good. Oh, good. good never good. doing this again. And they're old enough at this point where, like, they could ride that without you if they really wanted to. Yeah, and to. they don't want to. Okay, that's good. I don't like spinning. I don't like being dizzy. Uh, so the last time I rode it, like, I rode it with a friend, and we just kind of chilled. Like, we just kind of, like, we're like, hey, I wonder what would happen if you just don't spin it. And let me tell you something. People get really weirded out when you don't spin that teacup. Like people, huh. people were like yelling to us, like you got to turn the wheel to spin it. I'm like, yeah, no, I I understand the functionality of this ride. I I know how it works. I'm not doing it purposely. Like note my arm as it casually drapes over 
the right. edge of the teacup as opposed to making myself ill for the rest of the day. Um, but people were like, like more than one person tried to like tell me how to do it. And I'm like, no, no, I, I get how this works. Thank you for being a good Samaritan. But, you know, I'm good well, with it. It's like nice this. that they were trying to help. Yeah. Right. Now, this is where we're going to kind of diverge. We're going to take two different paths here. We're going to briefly touch on what Fantasyland used to be, because now we're at one of the entrances to New Fantasyland. So used to be at this area, you can go to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Right. Which featured 24 subs at Walt Disney World and Disneyland, which gave Disney the fifth largest naval fleet in the world. Awesome. Isn't that interesting? However, calling these submarines was not really accurate. They never fully submerged, but the guest viewing area was under the waterline, so it looked like it submerged. Now, I know you never did the original because it was closed in 1994 with barely any notice, but you've done the Finding Nemo version in Disneyland, right? Yes. How is that? It's pretty cool. Not for the claustrophobic. Okay. That's for sure. That's a good tip. You are really packed in there with a whole bunch of your newest friends. Yep. Uh, but but I think it's fun. So, like I said, it was closed in 1994, and the reason was consistent, con- pretty constant breakdowns, high maintenance costs, long lines. Uh, just w- really wasn't worth it for Disney anymore. However, two of these subs were relocated to Castaway Key, which is Disney's private island in the Bahamas. Okay. And apparently, they, they put them that? under. They put them underwater. Like, for where people snorkel. I don't know if it's still there, but it definitely used to be. Where when you're snorkeling, there are two Nautilus subs under there. Interesting. That's so cool, isn't it? That's very cool. They're also... Now, um, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, when it closed down, eventually became Pooh's Playful Spot, which was a Winnie the Pooh playground area. Uh, Now, to pay homage to the ride, inside the tree that was Pooh's Playful Spot, there was a Nautilus carved into the, the wall. I believe that Nautilus is currently in, still inside the tree, but the tree has moved to the front of the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Right. There was also Ariel's Grotto here at this point, which is a meet and greet with Ariel, but it was also surrounded by a spongy ground splash play area where my brother got completely soaked on his first trip. I can remember watching Ethan run around that. Yeah. Do you miss it at all? Like that old fantasy um, land? Sure. I mean, I have fond memories of it. It's funny when you bring up, like, Pooh's Playful Spot. I can remember Ethan conking his head, like, trying to stand up too early, coming out of one of the tree parks on the yeah. ground, and just cracking his head on the top. Oof, like being, Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny how you remember. I, I don't remember it was a bad memory. It's just something kids do. You know what I mean? Right. And he was totally fine five minutes later, but. Uh, so this area that was Ariel's Grotto used to be called Fantasy Fair, and it was a performance area for characters. Eventually, it became the Fantasyland Pavilion, which was a covered seating area. It also featured, once it was Ariel's Grotto, had a uh, snack location called Scuttle's Landing, where it was famous for... Do you remember what it was famous for? Hmm, As soon as you say it, I'm going to know. It's sweet cream cheese-filled pretzel. Yeah. Not your thing, but uh, you can still get that that pretzel in Hollywood Studios now. There is a... Yeah, it's not very good. No, not like that. I really like the Wawa uh, sweet cream cheese-filled pretzel. I've never had that. You know, they haven't had all Wawa's. Before it was Scuttle's Landing, this was actually called the Tournament Tent, and uh, then after that it was called the Little Big Top before it became Scuttle's Landing. Uh, also want to talk a little bit about the Dis- Walt Disney World Skyway. Now this is, um, if you guys think that the Skyliner is a little strange, like the Skyway was even stranger. It was a five-minute ride that went from Fantasyland to Tomorrowland. 
You can board it in either land. Uh, it took a near 90-degree turn, like a super sharp turn by the Tomorrowland Speedway. Closed on October 9th, 1999. And various locations in uh, throughout Fantasyland, you'll notice a small circle of stones that mark where the poles that held the Skyway once stood. Did you ride the Skyway? Never. I never did it. We did. Did you? How was it? Uh, eh, it's a Skyway. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you've ever been to Busch Gardens and Williamsburg, they all have them. I mean, you would uh, have... Six Flags. You would have only gotten to ride it, what, like once? Because didn't you start going late 90s? Uh, 98. I know we rode it at least the first time, the second time, just because I have pictures from there. Okay. I would take pictures from on top of it. And uh, you know why they got rid of it, right? We've talked about this. Yeah, we talked about this in private. I don't know if we ever talked about it on the show, so go ahead and tell the story. In, now, this isn't in Disney World. This is in Disneyland. Right. The Skyway went right by a extremely tall tree, which coincidentally, people kept falling out of the cart. Oof. Oh, Thankfully, they would land in the tree and then sue Disney later. Right. Of which would always win because these people are jumping out of this cart. Um, so they just took it down altogether. What's interesting is uh, the one in Disneyland actually closed in 1994 for that reason. So it took another five years to close the Walt Disney World one. Well, I'm glad no one jumped out of the. I Disney guess there World. was no place to jump out. Right. Now, what what ticket was the Skyway? See if you can defend your perfect score of being wrong on all of them. Well, uh, I'm gonna go A. D ticket. D. See why? It's a mode of transportation practice. It's a mode of transportation, but I guess the the views that you got of like twenty thousand leagues under the sea and all those other areas, people liked it. Tomorrowland Speedway from above. I get it. Okay. And also, originally, Dumbo was located just beyond Cinderella's Carousel. Now, let's talk about New Fantasyland. The first thing we're going to talk about is the last thing that opened in New Fantasyland, and that is the Seven Dwarves Mine Train. How do we feel about Seven Dwarves Mine Train as it measures up to Snow White's Scary Adventure? Huh. Well, what do you mean? I can't even really compare them. I mean, both of them are Snow White attractions. One replaced the sure. other. Which one do you prefer? I mean, there's no question. It's Mine Train. Of course. Yeah. Mine Train opened on May 28th, 2014. I remember we covered the opening here on the show. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was before I moved, but it was about, a, you know, more than a year before I moved. But I remember very distinctly us talking about it in some of the very early episodes of Two Men and the Mouse. Um, it replaced the area that was once 20,000 leagues under the sea in Pooh's playful spot and Ariel's Grotto. This replaced Snow White's Scary Adventure as well, though it doesn't stand in the same area. It has an interactive queue, which is a good thing because uh, there's always a wait, and it's always a long wait. I'm what? What's the most amount of time you would wait for this ride? Well, see, I've never waited. I've done it. I've never done standby. It would be hard for me to wait more than half an hour for, it, and I know that's crazy. I would say forty minutes would be my my, my limit for this because it is good. Okay. Uh, it has a new kind of. Um, a new style of ride car that Disney had never used before, where it actually um, rocks side to side, like a mine car. It goes now. This is really interesting, and I think that it goes from being a roller coaster into being a slow-moving indoor dark ride into once more being an outdoor roller coaster. And I love the expressive animated animatronics inside the dwarves. Oh yeah, I mean that's the best part. Oh, it's so cool. So, so cool. I like when you first go inside the mountain and you sl- and you hit the brake pad and you slow down. And, like, that's when you really feel the rocking side to side. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that. Now, at the end, 
you've got snow you've got the seven dwarves house and inside there is a dancing scene between uh while the dwarves are all playing instruments and snow white is dancing with dopey the animatronics of grumpy doc bashful sleepy and happy and the vultures that are seen outside are all originally from snow white's scary adventure that were repurposed and put into the new attraction snow dopey and sneezy are all new constructs because they were they move right so they they were they had to be built new same with the evil queen outside which i believe is one of the only outside animatronics that you'll find in disney there are two on on ride cameras here uh that captures both a, a still shot and video but you will need a magic band in order to get them because totally worth it. yep the photo goes automatically to the rfid uh there is no photo location for you to view them or whatnot you can view them in the app and typically they go pretty quickly this attraction actually caught on fire on november 1st 2014 when it was struck by embers from wishes it hit some of the grass and lit on fire nobody was injured but uh yeah they put that out and took some uh some precautions imagine being on that ride when uh you see that mm-hmm now, as you exit that ride and you move around the mountain, you're going toward Tomorrowland and then bearing to your left. You've got a churro vendor and a popcorn vendor and I think an ice cream vendor right there. Um, and a carrot cake vendor. No. Carrot no, cake car- no carrot cake cookies here. Uh, then we're entering into Storybook Circus, which was inspired by the Disney movie Dumbo. First off, you've got Big Top Souvenirs, one of my favorite uh, locations in Fantasyland because it is so many different things. It is a, um, a a really cool, a really good merchandise store. You've got a fuel rod station in there to replace your fuel rod if you bought one of those. It's the uh, mobile phone charger. You've got an embroidery station for getting Mickey ears. You've actually got two of them in there. The carpet looks like a big top tent, also, which I love. They're very cool. First of all, like you know, like it's so well themed. Like a lot of the stations look like um, circus cars. Things like that, but the big main event for me is there's a confectionery inside called Big Top Treats. You can get, you can pretty much get anything you can get at the confectionery, whether like chocolate stuff and cupcakes and cookies, but you can also get goofy glaciers in there. Which, let me tell you, on a hot day, there's nothing like a goofy glacier, which is like a slushy drink. And I think they're snack options, too. I believe they are. Now, typically, I will get the, um, all of the flavors mixed together into one. Really? Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, <clears throat> but let me tell you something about Goofy Glaciers. They're they're amazing. I have never drank one and not gotten brain freeze. Yeah. Because they're so you know, cold. I've done the, you know, they'll give you a sample of it. Yeah. I've done the sample and I'm like, woo, like it, it's, it's. You got brain legit. freeze from the sample. You, you really have yeah. to drink that slow. And it's a bad brain freeze too. Like it's not just like a, like a regular brain freeze. It's like bad. Um. Pete's Silly Sideshow, uh, that is a meet-and-greet location with two different lines. Uh, on one line, you can meet the great Goofini, which is Goofy, and the astounding Donaldo, which is Donald as a snake charmer. Minnie Magnifique, which is Minnie Mouse, um, you know, as a circus performer. And Daisy, Madame Daisy Fortuna, which is Daisy as a fortune teller. Pete's Silly Sideshow typically opens 45 minutes after the park opening, unless there's extra magic hours going on, and closes one hour before park closing on average. Then you've got a cool-off station, which is a nice little area to sit and recharge your phone. There are restrooms there. You've got the train, the, the train station, which is the first stop on the, um, or second stop on the Main Street train. 
And then you've got the Splash Play area called the Casey Jr. Soak and Splash Station, which is another place to... It kind of replaced Ariel's Grotto. The Barnstormer is also here. Now, this area used to be Mickey's Toontown Fair. And, of course, the Barnstormer was the big attraction in Mickey's Toontown Fair. Uh, what do you remember mostly about Mickey's Toontown Fair? Did you spend a lot of time there? I didn't, which is why I was really okay with the uh, new Fantasyland makeover. You didn't even spend time there for like to get the characters at the judge's tent? Yeah, I mean, I did like that, but... It always bothered me that like the characters weren't at their houses. Right. Like I thought you should meet Mickey at Mickey's house, meet Minnie at Minnie's right. house, Donald at the boat, Goofy at the Barnstormer. Um, so originally, it was, the Barnstormer was a farm-based uh, roller coaster. They turned it into the Barnstormer starring the Great Goofini, which is a junior roller coaster. Originally opened at Mickey's Toontown Fair in 1996 and was rethemed for March the 12th, 2012. Now, formerly, this site was a petting zoo. Did you know that? Oh, interesting. I didn't know that I did that. In yeah, a petting zoo called Grandma Duck's Petting Farm. It was actually uh, back when, before it was to- Mickey's Toontown Fair, but it was called Mickey's Birthday Land. And it was home to Minnie Moo, which is a cow that had a hidden Mickey on its side as a spot. Cool. Yeah, really neat, right? Uh, so this is once Goofy's Wiseacre Farm. You can board one of two trains that hold 16 riders. This actually goes 30 feet high and is a 679-foot-long course that achieves a top speed of 25 miles an hour. It's the same speed as Space Mountain. Yeah. I never realized that until I did the research for this. You know, the lack of... uh not knowing what's coming kind right. of makes it seem slower. Right. That doesn't mean that, like, Barnstormer's fast. It means Space Mountain's slow, and you just don't realize it. Right. Uh, Dumbo is here as well. That is obviously the cent- one of the other centerpieces of this land. It was an opening day attraction. What ticket did Dumbo have, you think? <sighs> Terrible at this. You're not, um, you're not scoring well thus far. I'm going to go D. B ticket. Dumbo B, was a right. B ticket attraction. Uh, used to be more centrally located, but they moved it and added a second Dumbo when they did New Fantasyland. Now, the Storybook Circus was the first area of New Fantasyland to open uh, back in 2012. Because I remember when I was there in 2012, all of New Fantasyland was closed except for the Storybook Circus area. Right. The old location had very long waits. It was all exposed. It was a huge line. People out in the sun. Everybody hated waiting for Dumbo. Yeah. The original Dumbo ride was rebuilt in 1993 to add more ride cars. They, they upped it to 16 elephants on each ride. And I believe it's the same thing today. 16 elephants on each. Timothy Mouse originally was on top of like a disco ball cracking a whip. And now he's yep. on top of a hot air balloon waving the magic feather. Ariel's Grotto is the next location as we exit the uh, circus and continue to move into New Fantasyland. It's a meet and greet location with Ariel. Then you've got Under the, Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid, a dark ride where you ride around in a clamshell. I think the best part about this is the fact that it's the facade of Eric's castle. Right. That now, like, Fantasyland now has three castles in it, which is something that I really love. Yeah, me too. I think that's neat. Um, it opened on December 6th, 2012, along with most of New Fantasyland, except for um, um, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. And it has the scavenger hunt inside the queue where you help the little crabs find like the stuff and then they yep. bring the stuff to Scuttle. But you have an animatronic Scuttle sitting in his nest. That Scuttle is so cool because it not, like when it's not doing the scavenger hunt, it knows things. Like if, if there's no line and everyone's moving through, he's just like, wow, you're getting a lot done today, huh? I love that. Yeah, it is really neat. Or um, if it's raining, he'll be like, wow, it's really coming down out there, huh? And like the one time I went through... 
they were actually had the sprinklers on the top of the attraction because the fireworks were going to be going off soon, and he thought that okay. it was raining because of the sprinkler. Oh, uh, well, that's pretty funny. Seagulls are dumb. Uh, Scuttle narrates the ride at the beginning and end. I think my favorite line in the entire ride is, let's start at the beginning. I was born from a small blue egg. I do love that. The ride itself plays music from Part of Your World, Under the Sea, Poor Unfortunate Souls, and Kiss the Girl. Then it skips a whole lot of movie. It skips virtually the entire third act of the movie. <laughs> like, you're seeing them do Kiss the Girl, and then, like, in the next scene, Ursula is, like, dying <laughs> in the background. Like, none of that was important. The whole climax of the film, not important. Outside of that attraction, you've got Prince Eric's Village Market, which serves fresh fruit, frozen lemonade, turkey legs, a mermaid donut, which is a purple a donut with purple icing and sprinkles with white chocolate treasures from Ariel's Grotto. I don't know if I want treasures from Ariel's Grotto on my uh, yeah right on my donut because it's kind of all garbage. <laughs> like, do you ever like really think about how Ariel was a hoarder? Oh, totally. Like, do you ever think about like what happened after the movie ended, where like Prince Eric like leaves on like some fishing expedition and he comes home to his castle to find like floor to ceiling garbage in every room because she's just like hoarding stuff he's like what is happening said, look at this stuff isn't it neat no i prefer collector <laughs> the, 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 the term is hoarder there was a tv show look at this isn't this amazing yeah that's an old spring from the couch cushion um we're gonna throw that away now why would you throw this away it's a treasure oh i really jumped in with both feet into this didn't i <laughs> <laughs> prince eric is questioning all of his life decisions uh, the thing that I like the most in this area... Oh, you can also get a pickle at the at Prince Eric's Village Market. Oh, nice. I do love getting the individually wrapped pickles. I like pickles. They've got the magic shot in this area with Sebastian as well, where you're holding Sebastian. Uh, but the main event in this area is that big Triton statue. You have to take a picture of that at some point. Yeah, of course. Uh, now we move into the Beauty and the Beast realm. we got Maurice's Popping Machine, which is a uh, popcorn cart. That it's my favorite popcorn cart because it's themed to like it's it's themed as like Maurice's invention, right? The Gaston meet and greet is actually moved next to Maurice's um, popping machine. He used to greet back more toward where the um, the tavern is, but yep. they moved him to add an actual queue line and everything because yeah, you couldn't really form too long of a line back there, well, and that's a very popular meet and greet. Over the, has become over the years. Then you've got Bonjour Village Gifts, which is a Beauty and the Beast themed gift shop. And then you have Gaston's Tavern, which is known for its giant cinnamon roll. But I used to know it as the place where you could get the one and only pork shank. I loved pork that. shank. I loved that pork shank. It was so good. They also have macarons there. They also have LeFou's Brew, which is another thing that's... That was like their butterbeer killer, but it didn't actually work because people don't really like it very much. Right. I'm sure there are people out there that love the LeFou's Brew. Like, Why not just make butterbeer? Right, like just get the recipe and do it. Can't we just call it that? Call, call it something it. else. Call it like the Beast Brew or something like that. Yeah, like but LeFou's Brew is like it's like an apple slush infused with marshmallow flavoring, and it's got like a citrus foam like topping. I don't love it, but you know, I want to love it, but I don't. You've also got uh, Gaston's big armchair and antlers being used in all the decorating around the uh, around the tavern right uh of course next the br guest restaurant uh one of the hardest reservations to get in all of the magic kingdom it is it serves breakfast lunch and dinner breakfast and lunch are quick service dinner is table service you've got uh seating in the ballroom the music box room and the west wing you get a picture with the beast when you do dinner and the beast will periodically walk in and they'll be like ladies and gentlemen 
your host. And he like walks in and bows. West Wing is the best place to sit here. Agreed. Not too many tables over there. I've never not sat in the West Wing. Really? I've always sat in the West Wing and I love it. You mean by randomization or you've asked? Uh, no, I just always kind of get seated in there. Huh. That's cool. Like, I think one time they asked us where we wanted to go. Because it just wasn't a very crowded day. I think it was the breakfast right. day that I went. By the way, the bre- I do not recommend the breakfast. Overpriced. And like I had a charcuterie board that was borderline gross. But dinner has actually moved now to a prefix menu. So you're getting appetizer, entree, and dessert. This is also one of the only places in Magic Kingdom where alcohol is served. A few restaurants now have it, but this was the first. Now, um, Enchanted Tales with Belle follows next. If it, um, You go into Maurice's cottage, where you can then go through a magic mirror that transports you to the castle. You're then greeted by amazing animatronics of both Madame Wardrobe and Lumiere. Kids and some adults are actually invited to partake in the show, uh... You know, Belle tells the story of, you know, her and the Beast, and you are acting out a part in it. It's a 20-minute show. It opened on December 6, 2020. It had dress rehearsals for three months before it opened. And anyone who was, all the kids that are in the show get a picture with Belle, and you also get a bookmark with Belle's signature on it. Uh, These pictures are also with the Memory Maker, but just know that when you scan, you're getting everyone's pictures with Belle. Yeah, it's a little bit like when you do Jedi training. Yeah. The uh, there is a sketch of uh, now. There's a couple of really cool little like things inside Maurice's cottage that I noticed that I really like. There's a sketch of the music box from Be Our Guest, the big giant music box. Like so, Maurice yep. had like blueprints for it before he built it. Bell's favorite book is uh, laying there, open on a on like a thing, on, like a pillar, not a pillar, like a stand. Uh, and there's also um, a portrait of Bell and her mother. Huh. Yeah, I really liked that. Belle's mother looks just like her. And if you look close, you could also see the height marks for Belle on the wall, where Maurice, like, measured her growth over the years. And so kids like to, like, stand up and, like, see how tall they are compared to Belle. Uh, next, we have Pinocchio's Village House. Is this, like, a Mandel family uh, destination? It's not a must, but, I mean, I've done it many times. Flatbread pizzas, meatball sandwich. Uh, they have a really cool snack there, which is, like, breadsticks with marinara. There, outside of it, there's a yellow flag with a red eagle on it. That is actually the Prussian eagle to um, to pay homage to the German influence of the architecture in the area. Also honors the Brothers Grimm, who are from Germany. Uh, seven, there are seven themed rooms in uh, Pinocchio Village House. They are themed to characters from the movie. So you got the Blue Fairy, Cleo, Figaro, Jiminy, Monstro, Stromboli, and Geppetto's Workshop. Now, the one you want to sit in is, mon- is the Monstro Room. Because that is where you can view It's a Small World in the window. Uh, there's also a second floor seating area, which is pretty hard to find. Huh. Uh, there, you, can go, you can enter the second floor from outside. You have to go up some stairs. Then we have Mickey's Philhar Magic, the 3D attraction show originally presented by Kodak, featuring classic Disney characters. Uh, this was the first attraction to ever do Mickey and Friends in computer animation. I believe it was the first time Mickey and his friends were ever in computer animation. That sounds right. It does, like, right, the timing kind of, because it opened in 2003. This was a collaborative effort, this attraction between Walt Disney Imagineering and Walt Disney Animation, which I think is super cool. Like, I love that they came together to make this ride, or show. It occurs in the Fantasyland Concert Hall, uh, with, which features a 150-foot-long screen uh, by 24 feet high, and you have in-theater effects to make, like, the 4D 
uh, stuff like smells, wind, water, all that other good stuff. Now, interestingly enough, save for a few little lines, like when he hums Be Our Guest and whatnot, Donald Duck is not voiced by Tony Anselmo in this. Hmm. They actually took all of Donald's lines and assembled it from classic cartoons using Clarence Ducky Nash, who was the original voice of Donald. Cool. Yeah, pretty cool, right? Uh, in the queue, you have posters uh, showing like the genie, sings the blues, wheezy, all that other stuff. Now, originally, this attraction was called the Mickey Mouse Review, which I feel like that's an attraction that I would have loved because it was like animatronic Mickey with a orchestra of 60 animatronic Disney characters. Some of which were the three caballeros who those animatronics were then moved uh, into Epcot in the three caballeros attraction at the end. This attraction, when it left Walt Disney World, actually moved to Tokyo Disneyland for a while uh, before that closed down for them to get Mickey's PhilharMagic. After the Mickey Mouse review, the theater was empty for a while. Then it became Magic Journeys, which was a 3D movie that moved from Epcot. After that, it became The Legend of the Lion King, which featured um, the voice actors for Pumbaa and Rafiki actually cut a vine to like open it up when they did the dedication. And it was Puppets. It was very much like uh, Voyage of the Little Mermaid, only this actually went away when the effects became, you know, out of date. That made my wife cry on every trip. The Legend of the Lion King? Yep. Do you remember how big Mufasa was in that? Yeah. Yeah. He was seven feet long and six feet tall. Uh, as you exit the Phil- through the PhilharMagic gift shop, it's interesting because like part of the story kind of plays out in the gift shop. Because at the end, Donald crashes through the wall. And you see where he lands in the gift shop. Yep, it's great. I love that. Now, this gift shop was originally the Castle Camera Shop, which sold film and cameras. Then it became the Disney on a Collectible Shop. Then it became the Mad Hatter Shop. And then it changed its name to Fantasy Fair, which is still the name of it to this day. But it used to be Lion King merchandise. All right, as we're, as we're nearing the finish line here, we've got Peter Pan's flight. And the one thing I got to say about Peter Pan's flight, I don't get it. I mean, I get it. I don't get it. I don't understand. Why this one? Why is this so popular? Uh, yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Like, it's not like, I, I, I mean, look, I don't hate I think the attraction. The, I, like I think it. it's the flying aspect. It is dynamic. It is. And, that, and that's all done, you know, by an overhead rail system, which was originally designed for industrial warehouses. Uh, but this actually it was so this was not an opening day attraction, but it opened two days after the opening. Uh, the, now, one of the cool effects that they have, like when you fly over London, you can see the cars, and th- that's actually a bicycle chain that's painted with glow-in-the-dark paint. Huh. To be the cars moving yeah. around. Driving on the left side, because it's England. Um, there's an aerial Easter egg in there when you fly by Mermaid Lagoon. What is it? One of the mermaids is aerial. Oh, really? Have you never noticed that? No, I did, but I just assumed maybe it was like what you're telling me. Like, there's only one redheaded mermaid, like in the entire. It's a hundred percent aerial. It's a redheaded mermaid with a green fin and the and the purple seashells. Huh. It's All right, a... I just didn't know that that was definitely supposed to be aerial. And this is a Disneyland attraction originally. The animators from the original film worked on the original attraction, which I think makes for always a really good time. They added more scenes in the Walt Disney World version. Have you noticed that? Like, there's more scenes in the Walt Disney World version. Yeah. Yep. So I've never done the other one. Outside, you've actually got a barrel sitting outside that says Fire Chief W. Ray Colburn, Lost Boys Fire Brigade. Uh, w. Ray Colburn is actually the manager of the emergency services and fire prevention for Reedy Creek Improvement District. And uh, underneath that barrel is a fire hydrant. Huh. They have to hide the fire hydrants and stuff so not to, like, yeah. you know, mess with it. 
Uh, there's also a Peter Pan meet and greet here, which is outside of a huge Neverland sign. So, my friend Becky, when she visited last time, she was cos she was di- not cosplay Disney bounding as Peter Pan, and we really she really wanted a picture in front of the Neverland map. But the problem was every time we went over there, Peter Pan was meeting and greeting. So we literally like waited in the Rapunzel area and like hawked Peter Pan until he left. Oh, that's so funny. And Instead so, of waiting for Peter Pan to show up, you're waiting for him to leave. I'm pretty sure that we walked over to one of the cast members and was like, oh, how much longer is he going to be out here? And she's like, oh, you can hop in line if we want. Like, no, no, we want him to leave. Right. Like, we want the map. The last attraction we're going to talk about is probably one of my favorites, and everybody always, like, poo-poos me for loving this, but it's a small world. Come on, I, I love it also. I, who, how can you not? Like, how can you be a Disney fan and not love It's a Small World? I don't understand it. Not that I'm, you know, questioning people's fandom, but I, I, I love it so much. It originated at the 1964-65 New York World's Fair, sponsored by Pepsi at the fair, which is so weird that Pepsi worked with Disney, you know? Right. Because we always associate Disney so much with Coca-Cola. It actually required a special admission ticket at the fair, where, like, when you got into the World's Fair, everything was free. Except for It's a Small World, which was a 90-cent 90, 90 ticket at the World's Fair. Wow, that seems like a lot. Yeah, yeah, especially in the 60s. The attraction moved to Disneyland and expanded in 1966. It features the Sherman Brothers song, which, you know, we know and love. Originally designed as a ballad, Walt wanted it to be a bit more upbeat. It had to sound right in all these different languages, which was definitely a challenge. Originally, Walt's idea was to have all the children singing their national anthems, but that created so much discord. Like, all the various national anthems just all kind of crashed into each other, and it sounded horrible. Uh, The Sherman Brothers actually were already writing the music for Mary Poppins when Walt was like, hey, write me an an iconic song for this World's Fair attraction. Hey, real real quick, just whip me up something iconic. Like, could you imagine? You're writing Let's Go Fly a Kite in Chim Chim Cherie. And you take a break to write It's a Small World. Like, you're already writing some of the most iconic music of all time, and you take a break to write another one of the most iconic songs of all time. Like, what are you even, Sherman Brothers? I saw that the the, the boys, the documentary about them, is yeah, on Disney+. Yeah. Plus. I have not watched it. Oh, you've it never yet. watched it? Never seen it. It's, it is... Um, it's funny Ethan just watched it. it. It's a rough watch. It's not entirely, like, you know, happy-go-lucky. Yeah, I heard it's very but... truthful about, like, how they had their issues with each other. Yeah, it's great, though. Yeah, I like that kind of stuff. The Sherman Brothers um, uh, described uh, It's a Small World, the song, as a prayer for peace. And it was actually recorded all over the world. Uh, it was recorded in a church in London, a children's chorus in Rome, and kids in Tokyo, Mexico City, and Burbank, California all lent their voices to It's a Small World. It, the attraction itself features six rooms, all separated by an archway portal, all of which has either a moon or a sun. Uh, first, you have the load and unload area, the European room, uh, the Far East, the Far East, the African room, the Pacific Islands, and the White Room, which I absolutely love. I love it. Like you know, my favorite thing in Small World are the suns. I think it's really cool, and I, I love that each room has a sun. I do, except for uh, the one that, that has a moon. That... Right, one of them has a moon. Well, my favorite thing is uh, outside of the attraction, you have that large clock face. Right. That opens and closes every 15 minutes. Now, in Disneyland, you load outside, right? Yeah, and the clock face is outside. Yeah. I gotta be honest with you, the Disneyland version of Small World is... It sounds better. It, it's better. And they've added a lot of IP in there as well, right? Yeah, and it works. 
and it has the dedication plaque outside. Yeah. It's got everything. Now the um, the goodbye room used to just have like signs with goodbye in various languages. Now it actually reads the RFID from your Magic Band, and will be like like Sayonara, Pete. Yeah, which I think is super cool. Okay, Me too. what ticket was this? E. You're right. It was an e-ticket attraction. At least I it did. I knew that. At least at Disneyland it was. I'm not sure about Walt Disney World because like I did. I like looked ho- like high and low for this because I had a feeling it was an e-ticket. I was always amazed that that was an e-ticket. Yeah. Outside the attraction, you'll also notice a large circular section of flagstone that's mar- that is one of those circles that marks where the Skyway was because the sky you got on the Skyway kind of near right. The Rapunzel bathrooms are the last place that we're going to talk about. I know we're ending with the bathroom, but you've got a seating area with plugs to recharge your phone, tables, benches. You can have like you can bring food from Pinocchio Village House over here and eat if you want. Uh, and you have the different Pascals that you can find throughout the area. Finding the Pascals is one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, very cool. You see Rapunzel's tower in the distance, built expertly using forest perspective. Uh, you've also got the hoof prints of the horses in there, and some of them say Maximus in them. Cool. So Maximus has tromped through there. You've got um, uh, the various lanterns, and I believe at nighttime they still do the um, the lantern photo op. Where you could stand there Which and hold. I love. Yeah, I love it. Did you guys ever get that one? I've never done it. Nope. Really? Yeah, no. And, and, um, a, a photo pass photo that like is special that you didn't do. Well, you know, last time we went... We did the Halloween party, and I think the day we did Magic Kingdom, I know we didn't do it. And the PhotoPass specials were all Haunted Mansion themed. Okay. Like, you know, you hold the lantern for Haunted Mansion. So I really wanted to bang out all them. So I've never done it. Interesting. Well, the restrooms themselves are also themed. In the men's room, you've got things like frying pans and wanted posters and stuff like that. The ladies' room is all of Rapunzel's art, uh, which obviously I've never seen. Uh, but today I actually found pictures of it thanks to FindingDebra.com, which is a blog. She like took pictures of some of the artwork. And I'm like, okay. good for you, Deborah, for going in there and taking pictures in a bathroom. I personally would not have made that choice. But maybe there were no other people in there at the time. But I finally got to see what it looks like, so I was thankful for that. There you go. And finally, we've just got the Portal to Liberty Square, which is an archway that where you will virtually cross the Atlantic Ocean to reach the New World. So you're going from Old World Europe into the New World of Liberty Square, into the United States, the founding of colonial times. Uh, the, you have the an entrance to the Columbia Harbor House out there, which I don't think has ever really opened that entrance. I've never used it. But what's interesting is the sign has, like, it doesn't say, like, Colum- it says Columbia Harbor House underneath, but the main portion of the sign is a chicken and a fish. Which, right. in old world Europe, a lot of people didn't know how to read. So signs for restaurants had to show what was served in the restaurant. So that's kind of why they did that. All right. And it's also a harbor house, which is always, you know, like at a harbor, which is where you board a ship, which is where you're going to sail on the ship to the New World for 70-whatever days that it would take to go from England to, to the U.S. Um, now the portal darkens as you enter and subtly evolves as you walk through going from that old world Europe style into the more colonial America style. On your right, you'll see a doorway to Memento Mori, and then we fade to black. And that is where we'll pick up next week as the Two Men and the Mouse World Tour continues. This was this was a long one. Yeah, my feet are killing me. Seriously. <sighs> Sorry about that. Um, 
we just got to check in with our friends around the world and then we are out ski uh th- this was a long one like my like i'm like all congested right now because of all this talking um hope you guys enjoyed that you know i really liked learning all this new stuff and seeing all of the awesomeness that is fantasy land which has always been my favorite one of my favorite lands uh so here's what some of you had to say Ashley Newmeister says, I like what they did for the Rapunzel area since the stroller parking for each ride made the area by Peter Pan's flight and it's a small world very hard to maneuver through. Jennifer Day says, I have four little kids and that splash area is an amazing reset button. It lets the kids slow down and just play. I always schedule time to stop there and I bring an extra set of clothes. Sarah Coyle said, I really enjoy the atmosphere of the sitting area outside of the Rapunzel bathrooms next to Small World. I like using the the pass through there to cut right into Liberty Square as well. My favorite attraction, though, is probably Mind Train, and favorite snack is the Cheshire Cat Tail from Cheshire Cafe. But I'll also plug the breadsticks and marinara from Pinocchio Village House as a lesser-known awesome snack. The sauce is so good if you like a sweet sauce. Mel Maxi says Cheshire Cat Tail for food in the Tangled Area, Tower and Bathrooms. Mackenzie Marasco says, I was a fan of the windows overlooking It's a Small World in the Village House. Always a fun way to spend a meal and was usually quieter in there. As far as rides, the Barnstormer is awesome. I know it has a different name now, which I corrected and said, no, it doesn't. Um, They used to let us ride the ride over and over again during the fireworks, and that was one of the best ways to see the show. Nathan Dunbar says, big fan of the Peter Pan float. Also, the Mine Train coaster was super fun fun there. Um, Was always a high wait, always high wait times, and not worth waiting over an hour for. I'm like, so like like beat like my throat is killing me <laughs> uh so i'm sorry if i'm butchering your words here guys casey lawson uh says one of my favorite non-e-ticket things to do in Fantasyland is i love sitting at a window seat in pinocchio village house and waving to the small world boats it's so much more fun and it makes me feel like a kid again my mom loves peter pan's flight she remembers riding it for the first time and really feeling like she was flying Allie loves Allie, her sister loves eating dinner at the beast castle in new Fantasyland. it feels like you're in the movie eric mattson this is sugar bombs and air conditioning equals big top souvenirs. A better version of the Main Street Confectionery and at times a refreshing water attraction. Stephen, uh, S- Stephen Chinichi, which apparently I am saying his name right, says the different mac and cheese top bowls from the Friars Nook. I also enjoy sitting by the arches in Fantasyland, taking in the sights and sounds of the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and Beast Castle on one side and the carousel on the other. Favorite attraction is Dumbo. The joy it brings to my kids' faces is priceless and instantly makes me smile. Seth Tinsley says, I love the entrance. The two stone walls and the towers that seem almost as an extension of Cinderella's castle invite you in. And the stone walkway are all beautiful, are all a beautiful set of architecture. Zachary Adams says, the Rapunzel rest area, especially all the hidden Pascal chameleons to find. It's a great place to stop, rest, and recharge unless a certain fantasy writer is using all the plugs. He's talking about me. Uh, <laughs> Justin Little said, the sword and the stone. Gotta try it every time. No luck yet. Natalie Wells says Anastasia and Drizella and put an adorable picture of her daughter Wendy with the dressed as Drizella with Anastasia and Drizella. Kara Guth says love the Gaston meet and greet. Jim uh, Mystician says the cinnamon roll from Gaston's Tavern. Cheryl Pavia says I really like the area by Gaston's Tavern and in front of the Beast Castle. Food. Uh, good question. I was desperately hungry near the Dumbo ride after having run the half marathon that morning. I struggled to find something to eat nearby. I went to the Big Top Circus tent and got a piece of fudge. The fudge in there is really good. Uh, Jim Rotnofsky says, try the gray stuff. It's delicious because they get the gray stuff at um, Be Our Guest. He also says, Seven Dwarfs Mind Train is another favorite. Sonny Santos says, Mind Train is the most fun and Peter Pan is the most nostalgic, but we like the Barnstormer way more than you guys do. It was the perfect setup ride last trip where my four-year-old had a blast with my 10-year-old 
and the circus theme fits nicely next to Dumbo. Yes, it's quite short, but we looped through the, and wrote it a few times. Who doesn't love the great Goofini? Anthony Fernandez says the storybook circus. Great spot for fireworks at night. Jennifer Mosby Luffs is one of my favorite places is Gaston's Tavern. I love getting a cinnamon roll in Lefou's Brew and sitting inside talk, taking in all the rustic decor. I can't leave there without Gaston's song playing in my head, especially the line, I use antlers and all of my decorating. I think Disney did a perfect job with the theming there. Uh, Nathan Sonks says, we love the Peter Pan float. And on our last trip, we discovered that Mine Train is exponentially more fun at night. That is true. I have ridden it at night and it is fun. Jamie Rose says, Sam will say Phil, Sam Rose's sons. Sam will say Philhar Magic, which I'd include in my three must-do rides. The other two, I'll go for the classic Peter Pan, Seven Doors Mine Train, and with Be Our Guest Breakfast before the park opens. Sam Rose says, Mickey's Philhar Magic. Trace Maudlin says, um, Gaston's Tavern as a whole, love the theming sandwiches and LeFou's Brew. Lara Fee says, I absolutely love It's a Small World. I know people get annoyed with the song, but I really love it. I also love the Cinderella Fountain. Seven Dwarves Mine Train is such a fun ride. I can't wait to get the chance to ride it again. Michael Taylor says, I love Mickey's Magic. It's something I only have done once, but I'd love to make it a tradition every trip. And Aaron Marie says, Mickey's Magic is my favorite show and second favorite attraction in all of Magic Kingdom. Hidden gem, always a crowd pleaser. Phew, you guys really sounded off on that one. This is a big one. Which, after talking for two hours, my voice is like, <laughs> make it, make the audience participation stop. But this was fun. I enjoyed this one. Yeah, love it. I mean, it's Fantasyland. It's Come on, Fantasyland. love this? And next week, we got Liberty Square, which is going to be infinitely shorter because it's a much smaller land. But we're going to be talking about the Haunted Mansion. We're going to be talking about Muppets. We're going to be talking about so much stuff. Um, Can't wait. That's going to do for Two Men of the Mouse this week, folks. Thank you so much for joining us and for taking our world tour with us. If you love our good friend Peter Mandel, check him out at the newly reopened Rogue Comics in Cranford, New Jersey, 105 North Union Avenue, Cranford, New Jersey, 07016, or RogueComics.com, where you can find a link to Pete's eBay store. Also, if you're planning a trip to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Adventures by Disney, any Disney resort throughout the known world, check out our good friend and sponsor, Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, who will plan your Disney vacation at no additional cost to you. You can always find him at Dave at... DisneyDaveW at Verizon.net. Kingdom Strollers is your one-stop shop for all your crib and stroller rental needs. Check them out at KingdomStrollers.com. And for me, I'm going to forego my plugs this week because my voice is tired. And Not going to make it. I need water. Uh, folks, uh, that does it for Two Men of the Mouse this week. Pete, any closing words? Let's keep coming with the tour. All right, folks, please keep the magic alive every day of your lives. We will see you next week on Two Men Mouse. So there's a great big beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great big beautiful tomorrow Just a dream away If you're standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors until the monorail stops completely and the doors open. If this concludes your visit, we hope you've had a wonderful time and will return home safely. Thank you for traveling with us.